0: Hey, everybody. Oh, welcome to a very special edition of Fairly Normal. I'm so excited uh, once again. This week is a guy. I've been had. I mean, we've tried to make this happen. Got to be five or six times in between his schedule and my schedule just hasn't worked. But you guys know how into positivity and uh, being happy and spreading that shit is important to me. This guy, I think, is one level up for me. One and, and for different reasons. Like I have so many questions, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Tate Fletcher. And now you, you bobbing your head, you know this song.
1: Yeah, man, this is fantastic. I mean, this is great. You every day, every this, every every, every, every podcast. Yeah. Because
0: for me, this is such a just mm. a. Right? Do they make music like this anymore? No. (laughs) In this voice? What? Right? Come on. Uh. There was... Right? You know what, though, the 80s... The 80s had that period of time where there was like four or five years where every song was about just going out and getting fucked up. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. that whole Motley Crue. Yeah, poison, poison,
1: Warrant, all that stuff was spawned from that. Yeah.
0: Where they were just like, hey, everybody, every song, let's go get fucked up. Yeah, yeah.
1: let's tempt it, the devil and party.
0: Oh, they, and, and that is, ba- did you read The Dirt, Motley Crue? Is that Nicky Six's book? No, Nikki Sixx's, is, is a, The Dirt is all for the guys. And so the book was basically, they was uh, they would talk about an event, but everybody, so Tommy Lee got to tell his version, but then, uh, uh, Nikki Six and Mick Mars, they all get to give their comments on what they think really happened. That's amazing. There was a got to read that. There was a story about how they were. I guess one of them had an apartment near the on the Sunset Strip. They were having a party, and then they were going out to play. And they, there was some guy at the party that was, they, that was annoying them or something. So they held him down and they nailed his earlobe to the coffee table. And then they went out to their gig. <laughs> <laughs> Here you are with an impossible <laughs> choice. I mean, it's like, amazing. if you're that guy, how long does it take you just to go, oh, I'm just going to have to rip this off? I mean... Because it depends, too, if they just nail it a little or if they go all the way down to and the head. Maybe, maybe you want that scar. Maybe. You're like, Tommy
1: Lee did this to me. It's a great... That's actually a great it's story. It's a really good story.
0: That's a great I wonder icebreaker. if he tells that story right now. He tells guy. it to get laid every day of his life. Yeah. Buddy, um, why... Here's... I love all those
1: guys, too. Them, Guns N' Roses, all those brokesters came yeah. from other places... Broke is a joke. They're all living together in a three hundred dollar apartment in some shithole, and then and it was just a different time with the Roxy and with all those all those clubs down Sunset there Boulevard. They would all play at Sunset, yeah, and really, and then take off. And now I look at what music is now, and you look, you've got to have these huge tours. I was thinking about Jane's Addiction. It's maybe one of the last big, huge rock bands yeah. that actually made money off records and CDs and stuff. There's not that
0: doesn't happen anymore. Well, there's no. It's a different commerce. Yeah, it, it, you know, and if you ask musicians now, they're making—they're not making money off of their recorded music at all. It's no. all
1: live. No, Beyonce doesn't go on tour because she. Yeah. No, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. <right. laughs>
0: but you know, some of those people like Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, they actually their tour was so expensive that what I heard is they didn't make a, they broke even with tickets and they made money off of their sponsor. Crazy. Because they were pulling. 10 trucks with him, 12 trucks. You know, right. when I toured with Cable Guy, he would play basically almost the same size places and he paid three people. He had us on a bus. Have you ever ridden on a tour bus before? No. Best sleep I've ever had in my life. Really? Oh, dude. Because the middle cabin, uh, Cable Guy had his own checked sure. out. Right? Yeah. The middle cabin. So you walk on the tour bus and the front is like, you know, refrigerator, couple of couches, TV, two TVs. And then the, you go into the middle, which was one, two, three, four, eight bunks. And then the back had a couple of couches, there. And there's three of you guys and a driver? One, two, three. Four of us and a driver. Okay. But the driver did not sleep on the bus. The driver drove. Yep. So the, but to, to, there were doors in, that closed that middle off with no windows. So when the doors were shut, it was pitch black. That's awesome. You had a TV in your bunk, and it just rocked you to sleep like a baby. That's awesome. Never slept better in my life. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. I would love to do it. I know some guys wouldn't want to, but I would love to do a bus tour. Have you driven around the country much?
1: Just, in, I mean, on my own, yeah. On your own? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do, me and a car and a dog. Are you an adventure guy? I used to be more so, but now that I'm more busy, I'm more dictated by what I want to accomplish. Right. Just uh I think it's weird. I think there's those times in life where you're like, this is the time when I have nothing going. I mean, if anybody wonders like when that time is, you don't know what you want to do with your life and you don't know where you're going. You don't really have a great job. That's the time to get in your car and just go with your dog and go for a drive and camp places. Don't you think that's important? (sighs) The best.
0: What did you, I think because you get to see different people Yes. and you get
1: to see, and, and you go and you stay in a town for a few days or a few weeks or a month or whatever. And you get to understand like, Oh, these it's like I just went to China, which was fucking awesome. For what? For what? I, a guy asked me to go uh, as like an ambassador with this with CrossFit with the brand, mm-hmm. um, and so Greg Glassman owns CrossFit and he's on his way to go and uh, try to open up into that country, and so we just went there to go check it out and look around. But I, I've been. I think about it as this dark, oppressive communist regime with tanks in the street. Yeah, and all this, and uh, all I see is people loving their families and capitalism thriving and just goodness and abundance everywhere. Like it was a trip. It was not what I thought about it. I think you know we get a weird narrative for these places, and I think we do that in our own country. Our country is so big. I mean, and I think it speaks to like a weird tie-in, but it speaks to the political. That everybody's got an opinion about all this stuff that's going on right now, and I I think that um, it's important to think about these things. But what's important also is not to be super divisive, and and we need to listen more. And I think the the thing that cracks us in half is when we look at what the the tail, you know, like Donald Trump being elected to be president is, is like the the tail of the dog wagging. It's mm-hmm. not the dog, like that. We it's not the root cause. It's a symptom. And so, what is it that feel people feel so disenfranchised that? that becomes an operative choice for them. Like, how, how do you heal that schism? And, and maybe the, that's the listening, it's the hardest listening you have to do. You gotta listen to a guy that's got a rebel flag on the back of his pickup truck or whatever, but that motherfucker's got a voice too and, and we're either together or we're not. And, and in a certain way, you've gotta, the more listening, I think more listening. It let's see listen in a different way.
0: I, I, I agree, I, I, you know, when you travel as much as I do and I, tr- I travel almost every weekend, What really strikes me is that, guess what? I know we all may not have the same ideas on how to get there. It's fine. But we all basically want the same things. We all want to be happy. We all want our family to be safe. We all want jobs. We all would like to be able to have enough money to take a vacation. We all, you know, want to be, we want our neighbors to be friendly and and safe and all that stuff. Like, we all want the same things. So, It seems amazing to me that when we all basically want the same things—safety, freedom, uh, and a little bit of you know jobs and freedom to be able to do things—it's crazy to me that that gets put in the background, and the things that are less important, the things that stoke your fear, that's what comes up. Right? You're a communist. Yes.
1: Like, you know what? There's not anybody that lives in a communist country that's like, I'm a communist and that's the ground I stand on. Yeah. They don't give a fuck no. about that. They
0: want the same things yeah. we want. They exactly. want the same thing. How long did you-
1: did I was just there a week.
0: And how, how long did you travel around our country?
1: <sighs> Maybe, well, intermittently, throughout, uh, for a couple of years, I, I was pretty steady. I, I don't know. I'd been- I guess, to every state, I think, in the country. And, and,
0: uh, are we, are we, I'm going to start a little back. Okay. Because for the people who don't, my people who don't know you. So you're born, you said, in Michigan. i born
1: in Michigan. Okay. Born on the shore of Lake Huron in uh, Michigan. And I moved to New Mexico in probably 91, I guess. To do and what? I went to uh, uh, college there. you What's your family classic like? classical literature program. Family like? My family, my mom and dad are divorced. Uh, it was one of those things where I was like, for sure they're divorced at... When I'm four years old, but they didn't know it until I got to be like 25, right, or whatever. Like it's like, <laughs> they didn't, like, like you guys were split up. They're like wait, we but got divorced now. This year, I'm like, you know, that happened when I was a kid. They wait, did they? Were they, they just t- stayed together, not liking each other very much?
0: Could and, you tell as a kid? Oh,
1: absolutely.
0: Really? How? Yeah. What? What are your? What's your earliest?
1: That's why when people talk now, they're like, "I'm gonna stay together for the kids." I'm like, you know, they know, and you're just teaching them that like hatred and being and like. Not very caring about who you live with. That's called love now to them. You've just taught them
0: the the value. That's such an interesting. Do you mind if we talk about this for a second? Because what I always said, you know. So my wife met me when I was taking when I was raising my three kids, and um, she understood this too. But I did not let her meet the kids until I knew I was going to marry her. Oh right. Because I didn't want my theory of what you're saying is your kids observe right, and they pick things up. And what I didn't want them to pick up is that g- women were going to come in and out of the house. What age do you feel like you started picking up that vibe with you and your, with your mom and your dad? Where they
1: were separated in like as a, they weren't in a union anymore. Yeah.
0: Did they live together?
1: Yeah. You have brothers and sisters? I have an older sister. Probably I, when I was
0: seven or eight, I was pretty present to that, I guess. And how did that affect your who you were moving forward, and did you feel like you had to pick a side?
1: No, but I, I mean, I felt on my like I, I, I was, I only really saw my mom, so I was, it was really a one sided in that way, anyway. But and then, and then my dad didn't really understand, like, I, you know, I was, I, I then I went right into trouble, but like I felt like I was alone since I was a kid, too, really. I mean, I didn't feel like I was really, um,
0: who was the grown up out of your mom and safety? dad? Cause a lot What's of- a grown up?
1: We gotta define grown up okay. then. because dad dad was like like really rigid and mm-hmm. this is like I'm doing this, going to work, come and things look a certain way. And my mom was like my mom was so nice, man. She she's like such a dreamy lady. She is like I came home in the second grade, first grade maybe, and uh and I I was with my best friend, we were holding hands walking down the uh hallway in school. Yeah. And uh somebody walks by and goes, Fag and I I had no idea what they meant except I knew that it was mean. Yeah. Whatever they were saying. You can right? tell by the like, tone, yeah. I'm like, that's not <laughs> they're not complimenting us right now. <laughs> and um and whatever. And, and we uh, we go on and I go home and uh and I, I told my mom that. And I go, what is that? And she's or they called us gay probably. Yeah. And I go, what is that? And she goes, Oh, it's just that you're that you're happy or whatever. I go, That's not what they meant. They, <laughs> they weren't calling us happy. <laughs> and she says she says, well, it's like when a, when a boy likes a boy or a girl likes a girl, a boy gets married to a boy or whatever. And, and I go, and this is in the 70s, you know, and I'm, and I'm yeah. like, I'm "Like boys can marry boys? And she goes, absolutely. And I'm like, for sure in reality, not. So my mom <laughs> is, my mom's not really reality based. She's right. more dream based about like, this is what my ideals are. I would like to think about the world. So therefore, this is what I think about the world. Like, and and that was the narrative for her and it was real helpful to me i think in a lot of ways because it taught me to not accept what status quo was and what societal standards were in a lot of ways, are you
0: more like your mom than your dad in some
1: ways uh i imagine the some the, ways the, it, there's the, a there's a there's a good balance of both and i used to really have an axe to grind like with my dad and as long as i had that there was always a schism between us when I what go, was the axe for? Uh, we just... I mean, there was uh, so many interactions. Yeah. And we didn't speak from when I was probably 15 to 18. Like, no words. And we lived in the same house for most of that time. Like, he'd walk into a room and leave if I was there, type thing. It was like... Really? Yeah, we were really at odds. And then, uh, and I, you know, I, I mean... Hit the phones in their house were tapped because of me. They had, you know, why were the phones Because tapped? I was selling dope since I was twelve years old, I guess. And so, like that, that whole thing was going on. And then when I got out of the house, there's still a lot of blowback. Like I was arrested when I was 21 on a bank robbery charge, and uh, where was that? That was in Colorado. Uh, I, I'd already been out of Michigan for a while, but I would left Michigan because everybody I know was getting arrested and getting federal cases put on them, and, and uh, so yeah, you sold for how long? Go. How many
0: years did you sell for?
1: I was 22, probably 23.
0: 12, were you a big kid at 12, you're a big dude? Yeah, 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 when
1: I was, when I was, there's a picture of me, I used to play hockey, and I was probably a head, at least a head taller than everybody else that yeah. was my age. Like, I, and I grew so fast that my feet ached, that like, like real, yeah. like, when people talk about groin pains, I, I always think about it like, oh, it's a psychological thing, like, you've gotta to adjust to what I, like, no man, my fucking bones ached and hurt, and I was like, I'm sure I've got cancer, <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> But I grew like, I grew through three sizes of shoes and I would buy him a, a size and a half bigger in a summer. Like it was like, it was rapid. And so when I was in the ninth grade, I think when I, I remember I was one thirty five in sixth grade, we weighed ourselves.
0: But that's right at 12 years old, basically. right?
1: Six, sixth grade. Isn't it somewhere in there? Yeah. Or is that at what, but by ninth grade, I was six foot one and I was 205 pounds.
0: Dude, at 12 so that's years three old, years,
1: <laughs> at, at 12, I put on 80 pounds. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: At 12 years old. How do you get into selling drugs? Oh,
1: because I got, there's a buddy of mine that is... I mean, older brothers yep. and stuff like that, you know? And so we were always just... What were you selling? Weed? No, the first thing I got was uh, Microdots. And, um, oh shit! And so that's no joke, dude. Yeah, it was great, man. They're, were you taking? The them at 12? I really take. I, yeah, I took. Uh, that's when I started using. Uh, was about twelve years old, I guess. But that's that was the the psychedelic experiences I had. I think were the most formative parts. Like people are talking about, you don't want to damage a forming brain and all yeah. that. I would. I, I, <laughs> probably hazardous to say so but i would say it's helpful <laughs> you know what i mean i think that redirects your mind and it yeah. opens your mind in a different way Then I, I do get curious about what would the me be like in some parallel universe that didn't have that experience and went a different way and then maybe just got really into sports or something because i didn't do anything except that for right. a long time I, yeah and then i'd smoke i mean then i'd like selling weed and that, that, that became you the biggest making... thing when I was a kid, not much. I'd just try to get a few hundred bucks together right. a week, right? And and there's not any expenses. And then, you you know, when you do start smoking weed every day, then you're like, no, I got to pay for weed every day. Yeah. And then you're like, I, you know, and so it just goes from there. But um, I don't know, we probably, like the, the most, uh, like I would maybe between 5 and $1,500 a day you could, you could make. And, and uh, in high
0: school, uh-huh. like what did that, everybody did everybody know you sell sold
1: not everybody but most people
0: most people and so what does that do for you i would st- say
1: everybody did but i would yeah exactly <laughs> i would only cop to it, so yeah anyway what yeah. does
0: that do for your status like do you know what i mean like what's your who so am, what's your who I am i like i didn't want to know anybody really?
1: yeah i didn't want to know anybody i was really Were you reserved. not, not I was, popular i was afraid of being arrested mm-hmm. all the time and um by
0: the way legitimate fear
1: yeah I, I remember i was shocked when i heard dr dre's album come out uh the chronic and I thought they're just talking openly about this and then I was like then it didn't dawn on me I'm like those guys aren't doing shit because there's not one person I know that wouldn't beat your ass for saying their name in public like that yeah, and yeah. So, so, so anyway like it's just a different is a different a different time but then everything got way more agreeable later um i just went down a, a darker road with it and and i what do you mean like i just could i couldn't ever stop like i started drinking every day when i was like 16 and so then i went um
0: what do you think because usually there's like some sort of seminal moment or something like that was there one for you like a lot of people can look back and go well this is why i started using. i
1: don't know man i don't have a real thing i think i found like a real freedom in that and i thought and it felt great and um have, there's a release in a lot of ways. You
0: have uh and I, listen, An
1: aversion to responsibility if I had to point towards anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I got that too. Um you have this like but you have this kind of gentle aura, but you're uh, but you have it's different than what people probably see, right? Certainly, yeah. Was that the when you were selling, did you no, have the same different. different you're a different, yeah.
1: dude. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. What was it? You were you a little dark. Darker. Dark. Long black hair, everything's black and uh I don't like if you did make eye contact like now if you make eye contact with me i'm like hey man how are you doing yeah what yeah yeah, I, you yeah, know? yeah and and if i make eye contact with somebody and they look for that you know that millisecond that's too long that's yeah. like uh now we're either acknowledging <laughs> each other or we're gonna fight yeah it was always for me the fight and uh, and like what do i you need something like i'd be really super shitty
0: were you a fighter in high school um yeah but not in any kind of when did you start to train not until i was in my 20s and this is post-selling. Yeah. And do you feel like the, because I've heard this from people before, even Brendan Schaub told me, you know, he was like, actually people who train and are, are elite, a lot of those people actually calm down. They're a, For sure. What, does that, really, did you find that too? Yeah. How absolutely.
1: come? I think that the hardest guy to pick a fight with is a professional fighter. How come? Because there's, you already know who you are. A lot of guys, why do most guys fight? I think is they fight out of an ego deficit of some kind, and they're like to show somebody um, who they are. Like, there's a guy. There's guys get mad if you say, oh, were you scared? Yeah motherfucker I'm scared all the time I try to be scared <laughs> shit all the time I try to walk into yeah. that fear all the time I recognize it but I'm not over here going there's no fear here like that's silly yeah that's ridiculous and you're hiding from something and then you're a little bitch you know what I mean and and so I, I think that the the biggest thing is is that when you walk down your fears and you face that and you know who you are you don't have something to prove and I remember Joy senior and it was I just went back I, there was probably three years I didn't go back to a fight gym. Um, and I went back, I was on a movie, and, and the director and a, a coordinator wanted to go and, and watch these guys train. And it was all, you know, John Jones, a cowboy, and all the boys are down yeah. training. And, and it's like, wow, and then everybody's sparring and getting after And There's, like, you know, 30 bad motherfuckers in the room. And, um, and I'm sitting there anxious and nervous as fuck because... That gnawing to fight is in the end. Like you just want to train, and you feel, and then you feel like an imposter if you're just sitting there. Like you don't ever want to be a spectator. Right. And uh, but if you've chosen not to, it's no good. I saw Dean Thomas posted something on Twitter the other day. He Says motherfuck everybody that ever tried to talk me out of retirement. And he was commenting on the BJ Penn fight that happened right. this weekend. Um, but that was tough to watch. That happens all the time. I, I didn't. I watch it. I didn't want to. I, I already knew it was going to happen. And um, you you get out of that thing, you're slower. You're not as able. There's only like one guy that I know that I think could come back out of retirement and could probably clean up titles. Uh, Keith Jardine, I think that he would beat the brakes off everybody in what about every G S P No way, man. He's got, he suffered. I think he suffered too much damage. He's at a smaller size to where um it makes a huge difference. I think has it, the game has the sport the changed since he left in, in five years. John Jones wouldn't be able to get a title shot. Really? Leo, Look at Leo Machida. He was doing magic to people. Yeah. And now he gets, like, it's not that, look at Anderson Silva. He was moving like magic. He was moving in such a way that you would come to mount an attack on him, and he would sidestep, and you would fall down. He wouldn't even have to touch you. Like, I watched him do that five times in the first round of Chris Lieben, the first time he went in on Crazy. a UFC fight night. He moved like magic. You watch him, uh, he fought in Canada against, um, I'm blanking on his name right now. Really great Canadian fighter, though. But he and then that then he that guy busted his like an ACL went out in the second or third round.
0: But, when you watch when you watch on TV. And uh-huh. this is interesting to me because I I listened to what Meryl Streep said. Right. Yeah, And then I listened to some guys, which was like a half a second sound. Bite. Y- yes. Which would take and blown way out of proportion. Yeah. But I, li- I I also listen to some guys talk about the art of it. When you watch, right. can you see? Oh, he's doing that to set that up to make that happen. Like, does that is that something that you can see? It depends how emotional guys are in it. But
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, you and especially with groundwork because it's such a more of a thinking thing. But you see some guys that are excellent. You see Holly Holm. You see uh, like the way Anderson would move. And I'm super. Um, I've got a body sensitivity. Like if 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 we're wrestling, if we're grappling, like. I can feel what your options are, where you're going to go, and energetically oh, where you, you can go. I thought you meant you were go. ticklish. <laughs> <laughs> but those guys, yeah. the strikers, they're body sensitive in a whole nother construct, in 720 degrees of movement, right? Mm-hmm. And, they, and they're feeling you out without touching you, and that's a different kind of sensitivity. And so those guys, I mean, there's stuff that happens that you can't see, but for sure, I mean, we'd sparred like when you spar with guys a lot, like you'd see Rashad and Keith spar or whatever, or we'd spar, like there'd be very little interaction that happens, but there's a lot going on there because everybody's already moving, countering to that count. Like I can already see where your shoulders go. Where are you going to hit me?
0: That's the crazy thing. You know, I, I I told you before we started this, I sparred first time yeah, yeah. in a boxing ring. Yeah, yeah. And I've never boxed before, but I, I was talking to Freddie and he was like, you should come down. I'm going to put you in the ring with Kara. So first of all, here's, What I didn't, nobody told me, 50 seconds in, you're going to be fucking gassed. I I think a lot of it is whatever. Not even
1: physical, it's adrenaline. It's adrenaline. I
0: was fucking gassed, dude. And she, I have to, she hit me 80 times. Right. Maybe. Not until I was completely exhausted did it actually slow down enough for me where I could throw a punch. Sure. When I actually had energy, my adrenaline was going. But not until I was completely gassed did my shoulders drop. How many times did she hit you where you didn't know you were being hit?
1: Uh, countless. Fifty. And that's the thing is like your eyes get better. But you have to you, – you've got to go through all that stuff. I'd always say if you'd see – like in wrestling or whatever, wherever, anything – if your opponent isn't sweating when they come out, if they're not already wet, yeah. they're probably not going to last a round or two. Really? Why? Because they haven't warmed up. you got to get that first nut out. you got to get that first adrenaline dump out. You've got to fucking work that till you're exhausted backstage and, and sweating and then recover and then go out and perform. Okay, so
0: when did you start? What age did you start training? Probably
1: 27.
0: So you leave you leave you go to I leave mi- Michigan, n- i go
1: to a classical literature program in saint john's
0: college why classical literature
1: it's just something that turned me on man I'd, I'd grown up reading a lot of mythology and uh early american classics and stuff like that and that's kind of where i got lost in as a kid and um and then this uh, opportunity i i was hospitalized uh the year before that for what? for uh, uh overdose and uh and, and then i I'd, I'd hit a car i was on a bicycle and i had a pretty good accident that was i um, just me, just me on a bicycle hitting a parked car and I ripped <laughs> on the, on the, on the, what? it was like, uh, Wait, you're gonna have to just, that. just hammered and I grabbed the bike out of the bar. I was going to a friend's house and then there, and in Michigan it's all rust, you know, it's like a, it, yeah. like, so the car's all rusted and, and I, I don't know exactly what happened, but I was on the ground and I'd opened my, I'd kind of flayed myself open, uh, on the rust of the car. Where? And I, like and your side of your body? Uh, through here, down through through this part of my hand and here's thick and then it dicks again here and then down on oh, my side shit and um and so then i'm in the hospital that night and then uh i, I well yeah i was hospitalized and then i went to a drug and alcohol rehab center and then i was in halfway houses for maybe um
0: did it almost stick? a year after that did the first Stuck one for about stick? a year and a half yeah.
1: about a year or so and then mm-hmm. i was like i think i got this i think i'm good you know and then uh I was overdosed nine days later, and um, that was in between. I'd already been at St. John's for a while. And then
0: uh, what, what? got arrested
1: after that again, and then I was like, I, my life's got to change. You know, you know, I'm in five-point restraints, and my mom's looking at me through glass crying, and and I was like, I, my life, if I ever get another chance again, if there's a window of opportunity, I've got to change my life. And, and then I just got really, you know, there and there was, and I got really dedicated to that. And I thought if there's... Any life that I'm going to have, it's got to be one rooted in sobriety. Because I start drinking, and then I just don't—I don't make any choices anymore. The drinking makes the
0: choices for me. Is that about the time where, I'd, like, the person I see now? Because, like I said, I years under- later. Years later. It took five, probably five years for me to settle down. I mean, I
1: carried a gun everywhere I went. I was like in sobriety, like I was like. If you guys are here, I know how I feel in my head, and right. fucking you're probably dangerous as well. So I'm going to protect myself against you. And like, there's a long time. I mean, I don't know, like, whatever. That sounds dramatic, but like, there's a long time, I think, with a lot of people. And I think that the, you know, maybe the wallpaper is different, but, you know, the carpet's kind of the same in a lot of it. And, and where we are, feel like our backs are against the wall. And I think there, there, it took years for me to go, well, maybe there's no wall. And maybe everything's okay, and maybe there's maybe there's nobody to be against here, and uh, when it's you against them, it's like it sets you up in this in this position where you have to defend something. And one of my teachers, man, he said one of the best things to me ever. His name's Michael Combs, and he said, "I go, I were reading a book, and I go, well, what do you think about this? You know, what do you think? We read all these philosophical books and shit, and and I said, you got to know about this. He's like a sixty-five year old Mm -hmm. guy, and he goes." He goes, "You know, kid, I uh, I try I try not to have any answers anymore." He says, "Every time I got an answer, he says I got ground I got to defend. I have something I have to I have to be against." And he says, "I'd just rather have more questions now, and then the world opens up for me." Thought, Man, that is I, and so an I just amazing started looking like that, point of especially view, especially when you come through this this male ego where you're like, "Well, I need to know the answer," and if I don't know, that says something about me. Yeah. And, and anymore, it's like, I don't know a lot of answers, but I know a lot of smart people and I'll find the answer. I'll, like, I'll, I'll be straight with you about yeah. what I do or don't know, you know, <laughs> like, no, I'm nearly retarded, but I know a lot of smart folks. <laughs> and that puts me one step above. Yeah. I mean, at least it's useful, you know? And so now I just go, well, is this, whatever this action is or thought process is is it going towards function and performance or, or is it not, you know?
0: Were, so were, were you still, because what a, an interesting combination, dude, of what your major was, But a certain level of anger. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Did that? Sure. Were you? And survival, I think, more than anger. Even. I mean, were you? Were you? Were you? Did you find yourself amongst your peers who took those classes to be? Oh, I'm a different guy. A completely different guy. We're reading. We're reading.
1: Uh, you know, we're reading the Iliad, or or we're reading. homer or something and he's going through and he's talking about like what what animals these people are or how would ajax do this or yeah. what are they you know these whatever and this one guy transferred from princeton and he was he was talking all this stuff and and he's like this is barbarism though this is a different time we've evolved i go have we or is it just different you know like i mean still in corporate settings people smash people they ruin their lives yeah and and, and And he goes, well, this is a kind of physical barbarism that just isn't available. It's not necessary anymore, and I would never be a part of it. I go, listen, if there's five guys right now that are beating you down in the middle of the street, and I walk up with a bat whistling, you're going to be happy as fuck to see me. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to feel any kind of way at all about it
0: you to be yeah. like, oh Achilles, yeah. you're here, that guy. We like that you guy, you know.
1: And uh, and so, like, we get we get, uh, you know. I think that's part of the problem, though. Josh is that we get into this place where we cleave to comfort as humans, and we're like, and we'd like to think that we're safe and all that, right? And 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 we are. Maybe there's nothing to fear, but there's a lot to look out for. And you should be aware. And 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 that whole idea about comfort is like close to death. Like nothing good comes from being comfortable. The more Agreed. uncomfortable I get. The more I get to grow and I get to push against the the chains that are binding me of that comfort.
0: I always tell my uh, my son, Jacob, you have got to push yourself out of your comfort zone more. That's when you're going to learn and grow and you're going to find out who you are. You know who you are doing the things mm-hmm. that you already do well. And that doesn't have to be you have to go and run a marathon no, or something. it's not like he's going to go that suck might be eight alert. dicks. You that, know that, that, what that, that, I mean? <laughs> How hard is that? Yeah uh but but you can learn
1: language yeah. you can learn music and that's i, I love uh talking to ari Shafir about stuff like that like he and greg and i talked one night and uh it just stuck with me that no matter what you get excellent at that can, you understand excellence then of what it is to play a piano or of what it is to write a screenplay or what it is to perform a monologue like once you understand excellence in one thing, just get good at that thing, yep. and that shit ripples into the rest of your life.
0: So, when you were taking those, cl- and by the way, I agree with that hundred percent. I also agree with. I also like if you want to be excellent, you gotta surround yourself with excellent people. Certainly, there's if you want to, if you're gonna surround yourself with people who are okay with mediocrity, that's where you're gonna be. And I don't mean that in a negative way no. to the people who are in mediocrity,
1: or, or not even mediocrity. Like, what do you think? Of, like, I've been playing with this idea about. Cause there's only so much time, right? So how do you expedite your learning or your excellence as it were? And, and it almost has to, I think it has to supplant your current friendships. Like if you want to be a doctor and what I mean? want to be a lawyer and we're best friends, uh-huh. it's better for you to hang out with other people that want to be doctors and me to hang. And so we don't hang out much anymore. Like, that's what I mean by it has to kind of take the place of that. Like if this is the thing, I want to be the best lawyer. We'll get there. You, you, You'll get to be a doctor, I'll get to be a mm-hmm. lawyer, but it'll be slower and won't be as good. But if you have all kinds of other people that are talking about their doctoral theories and all that around you and you're all in the learning together, you're going to go farther, faster,
0: better. Same as comedy for sure.
1: And I, all of that, or yep. fighting, or being in an orchestra, or playing baseball. You're yep. not going to hang out with a bunch of basketball players if you're a baseball player. Yep. And and it kind of the, the immersion in the thing, it's not the thing that matters, but to be completely immersed in it, I think is... Of vital importance and then and then to be in love with
0: it if you want to be great if you want to be great right and that's the thing like I, I understand I, I there are people who have told me well, I want to do stand-up and I go okay and I go tell me what your week is like and they tell me and I say do you really want to do stand-up because right. it looks like you have no family you work during the day but you're only getting on stage twice a week right and so I when people tell me that my advice to them is quit yeah quit and I'm not saying this in a mean way it's like what Hemingway said about writing there are Listen, if, if there are, and I always tell them, what you're out twice a week, just so you know, those other five days that you're not out, there are people who have been out, not only the two nights you were out, but the five days that you're in watching The Voice or doing whatever the fuck, by the way, and no judgment on that. No. Nope. But then... But you don't want, let's not pretend
1: you want it. Yes, that's the I thing. I don't care if you don't want to do yeah, the thing, Yeah. Yeah. but I do care if you're going to lie and tell me that you want the thing when it's clear that you don't.
0: Or for me, it's not even that. Like, it's more like, Hey, why don't you find the thing you do want to sure. do? Find the thing. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, and I and I do say this to my son all the time. Also, try, 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 try shit you know or you think you know you're not gonna like because I've done that before and been like, I actually don't mind this. Right? Where you know what I mean? Where and I always say, what. P- Some you should try to get on stage once, whether it's doing stand up or even if it's for you, karaoke or it's spoken word. It's so, all so scary. It's scary as fuck, but you have to do it. I do want to ask you about your time in college in those classes. Right. Do you think, and now you may have just answered this question for me, okay. do you think not being around, because I'm sure you were the unicorn in that class. Right. Right?
1: In, in some ways, yeah. I don't yeah. they would call it a unicorn. But, but do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. not as magical. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs>
0: do you think, who benefited more from you being the unicorn, them or you? I mean, they did, I would say. Because you opened up their the, idea to classical idea, literature it, in a different way. Yeah,
1: and it cracked their idea open of... It's easy to judge somebody and go, oh, like, like if you never met you know uh if you never cuddled with a pit bull before Mm -hmm. you get an idea what what a pit bull is like and you're and you're reticent to be around it or whatever and like that's if you're only around golden retrievers it gives you an idea of satisfaction around that if you're comfortable Mm -hmm. but all of a sudden a rottweiler walks up you're like oh this is a game changer and then you go oh no it's not he just wants love and connection and all that too you know and i think like that kind of stuff is um it's like traveling. It's like what we we're talking about. Like being, you know, I, I just went to this thing in, in Miami and it was like, it's, it's like everything. The best thing is the communal stuff is like when you get with somebody and you're one-on-one and you go, we're not so dissimilar.
0: Yes. And we're
1: here to help each And that's, you know, jujitsu taught me that. I say this shit all the time and that uh, it, it taught me that where everybody does better, everybody does better. And like, it's like if, if, if I, if I want to be the best and I control my ego mm-hmm. and I go, I need my ego to be the best and I'm going to triangle you every time I'm just going to finish you over and over again and smoke you. And I'm yeah. going to show you the setup or anything. I fuck you. I, 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 I make it harder for you to learn and grow. And I think, yes, my ego is in charge. I'm the winner. Right. But I don't even realize I'm so dumb because the ego doesn't care about me getting better. The ego cares about me staying still, staying status quo because it makes me not better too. The more I teach you and I teach you all that stuff, well now I gotta find other ways. Okay, you already created a triangle. Now you get to learn other things. So it behooves me to make you better. It, it's helpful for me to show you everything that I know so that you can compete with me at a level where I, can, I need to bring an A game, I need to get innovative. And it's, it's that thing about opulence. Like it's like the opposite of famine thinking. Yeah, I have to give you everything so
0: that we can have everything. Do do you find and somebody told me once with jujitsu in particular, and I found this boxing by the way because I was terrible. But the first thing I thought was, I need to do that again because one, it was a very humbling experience to just be in there and not, yeah. and not not only not be in control, but just to be like, oh, I'm sinking. Sure. And, and my so my first instinct was oh, this is something I need to do again. Mm-hmm. The the, the, the jujitsu mat, somebody had told me before, it, it is a great equalizer, and it's a great learning place, not just about an art, but really, out of all the uh, martial arts that I've talked to people about, they say jujitsu is like a really good life thing. Do you find that to be true? It's rippled into every part of how, my life and how made come? my what is it better what, everywhere. What is it about it? Because all people say is they just talk about the benefits mentally more mentally for some people than physically what is it about jiu-jitsu you think that that people aren't saying about krav maga or anything like boxing or anything like that
1: um it's easy to keep your ego safe boxing i can just say well i just want to hit mitts Mm -hmm. or we could go i'm just going to go two minutes and you if you and i go and we touch gloves and we go and we go okay we're going to move around for two minutes that's cool and then the next two minutes we go with our next guys if we do that in jiu-jitsu somebody's getting strangled So you're going to get dominated and finished by a guy, right? And so we're not just practicing drills and saying, and a crowd of guys like make believe, right? It's like, well, if this, I'm going to shove a big pen in his ear and then I'm going to eye gouge. Are you really? Because I'm going to just choke you to death. You know what I mean? Like it's, it becomes a different thing. It's like, like, I know that's nice for Jewish housewives or whatever the thing is sold towards. But if that were Awesome. We would see that actualized in the in the uh, octagon. We would see that amongst people that are making millions of dollars a year. There's
0: no, no, there's no. You see jiu
1: jitsu. You see wrestling. You see. You see uh, a little bit of uh, taekwondo because you're seeing a lot of spinning stuff uh-huh. now. There wasn't, but like, Krav maga is a mixture of like some rough street art kind of stuff. Like, grab a brick if you can, and um not very much control but like very frenetic frantic movements which are the signs of a beginner in jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. and then after the ufc started and really after the ultimate fighter shows started you started seeing all the Kung Fu guys and all the Krav Maga guys go and jujitsu, Jitsu Israeli jujitsu and shit which never exists. like here's all these things I'm going to put catchphrases up because I'm a salesman I'm not mm-hmm. really a martial artist and that's the difference is, I think
0: is one of the things about jujitsu too that's a great equalizer and I could be completely wrong not the wrong. Krav Maga is not great John Heffron it is I love you and by the way I took it for a couple years too and it was great for what I needed to it's play.
1: really great for movies too
0: yeah because it looks, looks great in that looks way looks
1: great like Wushu I think is awesome to move in films Like I like Studying Hapkido that stuff. keto looks now. good in films? All that stuff looks great. You know what doesn't look great? Jiu jitsu. Because it's <laughs> yeah. like, it, it, it,
0: it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, no, it really doesn't in but, the film. Um, but it's the best shit. Do you think one of the reasons it's a great equalizer, and I could be wrong, is that somebody probably 40 pounds lighter than you if they knew what they were doing?
1: Dude, the first time I did jiu jitsu.
0: Yeah. So, first,
1: I'm working with a group called the Dog Brothers, and Arlen Sanford is my teacher, and he's a Krabi Cabron guy. So, that's like a weapons extension of Muay Thai. And that's where I first started fighting was with Arlen. And goddamn, he he changed my life in ways that I, I couldn't even say. And I'm indebted to him to this day and love him and, and have been blessed that he's back. Is he, he
0: one of the guys that helped bring you out of darkness kind of way? He, he
1: was a, one of the first guys that I looked at was not full of shit. Like, I, I, that was like a mentor. I'm like, here's a tough guy that is well-read, well-spoken, kind, in control of his emotions and his spirit. Um, loving and gracious everywhere. Super fucking able in every position, and I thought, that's the mark of what a real man is, is that he has dominion over his, his spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical self, and he works at those um, in a ratio every day, and nothing is imbalanced, and I thought, man, that's the kind of balance I would like to look to. he's one of those guys that I look at, uh, and I go, that, and he's seen in real life, in real time, you go, I'd like to be more like that, I could tighten up my shit. And mm-hmm. I can be better than I am. And I'd don't. And, and i really, he was one of the guys I started looking at, and I go, I really want to be better than I am. And, and he was one of the guys that taught me how to live in the moment. Stick fights taught me that. The stick taught me that. You hear about, like, Wim Hof, he's like, the cold taught me everything, or <laughs> whatever, right? Yeah. And it's, like, it's like, you know, like, you learn by consequence. Yeah. If you're living a life without consequence, I'm fucking sorry for you, and you're weak sauce, man. Like, yeah. there's yeah. no way, I already know that you're not winning. Um, and the higher the consequence, a lot of times the richer the life, like without that, you can't have it. And for sure, the heightened
0: consequence, like is death.
1: And it, so there's, it also there's goes that back end. to
0: what we were saying about, about it. It's risk reward. Like, sure. You want to be great. You, you have to risk great.
1: Yep. There's you a risk. To, and and so, it has to be. so
0: in that I, I
1: see, I see Arlen and I see the sticks and, and then I got really grateful like with the sense of unity, I'm fighting this guy. And, uh, and it's like there's another entity that surrounds us while we're in it. And I just got, after we were finished, I got this deep sense of gratitude for my opponent because without him, that thing doesn't exist. That feeling I was looking for doesn't exist.
0: What is with that? So that's interesting. Like, the respect that UFC guys have for each other after the fight. You don't see that in basketball or so much in football. And What do you think it is about that? It always, it's one of the things, honestly... And I, I don't watch it with the same eye that you have. I don't have the trained eye. But one of the things I do love about it the most is at the end of the match, you know, obviously you're selling tickets and you're talking shit and all that stuff. But at the end of the match, you when they look at each other, you're like, oh, those dudes respect each other. Right. What is it? Why? What is it about the fight? Fighters only hang out with fighters,
1: really, uh-huh. right? I mean, and when you see them start hanging out with movie stars, or you see them hang out with other people, you go, "That's the end of their career." You know, <laughs> you know like that's it's yeah, become yeah, yeah, comedy yeah, yeah. now. We can kind of see that. Um, so there, there is that. Uh, Where's the
0: respect? Is the respect just because I know what you sacrificed to get here? We walk the same road. Yeah, I know man. how hard it was for me to make it here. Yeah. I know. Yeah, you, when you make a living like getting punched you said in the about face, comedy. Yeah.
1: Who do, do you respect? The guy that goes up twice a night. Or you see a guy and he right. goes up and he goes up. It, you know, I remember when I first started hanging out with Joey Diaz and Joey was like, Yeah, I'm going to the Ha, ha Club here, and then I'm in Pasadena later, and then I got a twelve minute spot over on Melrose yeah. at this coffee shop and the, and he's fucking four different places in a night, and that's his night. And I go to go up and talk for five or ten minutes at each place, he's like, Yeah, that's what we do, dog. Yeah, it's training. Yeah. And uh and and then he would go on the weekend and he'd make money. He'd do all that shit for fun and for free. And then all these cocksuckers that are out there like, I'd do whatever, but I'm worth something. And it's like, they don't have any idea like this whole, like, and I, it sounds so trite now to say like a millennial, but like that kind of thing, man, everybody I know that kills it, they do everything for free, dude, everything. And then they go and then they work one day a week or whatever. But that doesn't mean that they're not sweating balls and frustrated and want to quit life all the time. And they're pushing against that. You have and to. God damn, it's beautiful. And so it's the same thing for you. If you're going to hang out with guys, it's not going to be the guy that's going to up on stage twice a week pretending he's a comic. Because you're like, you don't merit that, bro. You haven't earned it. Mm-hmm. You haven't earned what I've done.
0: And, what? and 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 that's part of it, I think. Two Two questions. One. How did you get so deep? Because you are, for somebody who isn't a comic, you are pretty entrenched in the, com- the comedy yeah, community. Yeah, I love it. Like, and by the way, that what you're talking about is why I respect guys like Joe Rogan so much. Joe Rogan does not need to be at the comedy store five nights nope. a week practicing shit. Joe Rogan actually would never never has to go to the comedy store again if he wants to. He's, his podcast could drive every ticket. He could sit on his laurels. He wouldn't have to do anything. Ever. The, 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 it's guys like him and Bill Burr who I see. I'm like, these guys are out five nights a week, six nights a week practicing shit. It's not even being
1: out that, that is impressive to me. Cause if you go out and you're like, I got a home run every night. Cause but they I don't do take, their home run every but night. But they don't ever do it. They go out there and suck dicks on they stage practice. and they go, here's my shit. I haven't worked out and you're not going to laugh. Yep. They don't say that out loud, but that's generally sometimes what happens. Yes. And you're like, that's bravery. And the, the, what really turned me on most, most Josh about comedy is as Brian uh, Reichel was doing a show. I forget the name. I wish I knew the little restaurant. It was down on Melrose and and he did an open micro thing. And then he'd have, you know, and then guys like Joe and stuff would come down and do a spot at the end to fill the show up. Mm-hmm. Just like talk about it. he doesn't have to do that. But I would go there early, and I'd watch these open micers, man. There'd be four of us sitting in the stands, and like the lights are on. They can't see anybody there. And you watch a guy burn under the lights for 90
0: seconds, and you like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's a long 90 seconds, I dude. Go, that's the bravest motherfucker I ever saw. It's a long 90... Now, how did you get into the comedy world? So that's why I respect it, because I see that. How did you get into it, and have you ever hopped on stage? I got
1: into it because of jujitsu. <laughs> I was... Uh, I was working on The Longest Yard. and then With Joey we, Diaz. Yeah, that's where I met Joey. I met Joey before I knew Joe and Ari and all them. Um, I met Joey in New Mexico. I thought he was going to die. He was rapping uh, Ready to Dude. Die. Dude. He was he, rapping Biggie Smalls. How
0: heavy was he? He had to be 380 during Dude, that filming. I'm getting chlorophyll drinks for him and all types <laughs> of shit. He's like, oh, bro,
1: I'm just going to go burn a number right now. And I'm like, that might be the last number you take, bro. Like.
0: Fuck, it's 95 <laughs> degrees, it is oh. dry as shit, and you're at 7,000 feet. Dude, let me tell you something. There were many times where I was like, there's no way he lives till tomorrow. But he, <laughs> I, and I've, I've, I've since changed that tune and think he's going to outlive everybody. Like Keith Richards. Yes, exactly. Like, there was, a, listen, there was a time when Joey called me, and I don't baby. know if he's ever told me, told anyone this story. I think he probably has. He's an open book. He calls me. Hey, Doug. What's up? He was like, "Come get me. I need to go into rehab. Come get me." Come get me. <laughs> and I was like, w- "I go. What's going on, he, d- dude? He had never mentioned rehab a second in his life. i would known him for years, and you know, and this is back. You, you remember when his skin, like there were sores, like he Dude,
1: was, how about when he was growing a head out? Oh, on he his had shoulder. the
0: fucking fat bubble on <laughs> his neck. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God! Right? It's just not even funny. It was frightening as fuck. Okay, but he calls me and he's like, "Hey, dog. I, and I could. I'd never heard it in his voice." I don't want to know I don't want to say it was fear But it was He was nervous Gotta come get me I gotta go into rehab I can't I'm not gonna live like this And I was like Fucking Where are you? And he goes Let me call you back In five minutes I go okay Oof that's a long five Yeah he called me back In five minutes he was like I'm fine I'm like what happened <laughs> uh-huh. I go well, what What happened over the five minutes He's like no nah, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm fine It's gonna be alright And I was like Let me come get you He's like no 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 no, 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 no. Everything's gonna be good but there was times that was around that right. time, the longest yard, where I was like, Oh, he's gonna die. Like yeah. and I've asked him before, did you think you'd see fifty? And he was like, No. Yeah. No way. But he, he put his body through So He tested it. Yes. He's but he did it. it way later in life and with a you know, his body type yeah. he's not. The, he wasn't the epitome. He didn't health. look
1: resilient. No, he doesn't look. He doesn't. But now I look at him, I'm like, strong I'm as a fucking strong. bull, that guy.
0: Yeah. How did you get? And
1: I think that the, those windows like that. Guys, peek that window open. I never say shit, guys. I get those calls. Yeah. And and uh, and I go and we talk it through, and I talk about what my thing has been and all that, and I go, uh, hey, I go here's another. I'm like, I, I said, I can see the future too, dude. And I go, what's gonna happen is you're gonna feel way better tomorrow, the next day, and then you are gonna be like, fuck, I snitched on myself to Tate, and I, and I said this shit to him, and I outed myself, and you're going to feel fucking bad about that, and then what's going to happen is you're going to get weird around me, and you're going to fucking, we're not going to be friends in the same way, and you're going to be a little awkward, and, you're gonna, and it'll be a fucking elephant that's always fucking right there, and I said, so what I'm going to do after we hang up, if you call me tomorrow, and, and and we want to do something cool, yeah. cool. But if not, I'm never mentioning the conversation again. It's as if this never happened. Just so you know, we're gonna clear this slate right now. And like, because like, <laughs> oftentimes, especially with coke guys, yes, they don't fucking like. They get paranoid. They get and it's heart fucking whatever. The, all the stuff that happens. I go, oh my god, this is then. I go, oh, yeah, we're just
0: having a big weekend right now, bro. We'll get through this, <laughs> and, and like, and I don't want to have, I don't want to have a weird thing yeah. with you later, you know. I'm so happy that I never liked Coke. I did a bunch of it, like I'm no quitter, but and I, I but I, you know, and I would do it, with Joe. But it just made me shut up and sit in a corner. Really? It, I I couldn't talk. It made me. It turned me inwards, and so I never liked it. And I'm so glad I never liked it because. Ooh. I watched people try to. By the way, yeah, I've watched people try to get off of it, and I, you know, I've quit. Uh, I don't really drink, but I chewed tobacco forever and ever right. and ever, and uh, I've had to quit some other stuff. You know, the hardest thing I ever had to quit was sugar. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's Sh- integral.
1: You know, Dude, I was it just was, talking it, to a it doctor. Was brutal. There, one of my friends had. He's got like five kids, and and he, uh, one of them had like a heart thing, and they did a surgery as an infant. Mm-hmm. It's like th- three three week old baby oh or something, God. right? And afterwards, they're in the hospital, and and he goes, oh, he's really uncomfortable. The baby's crying and everything, and he takes a dropper and he drops it on the baby's tongue. Baby chills out, and he goes, uh, he goes, well, so what was in the dropper? And he goes, oh, it's a pain reliever. And he goes, yeah, but what was it like? Is that liquid oxycontin or yeah, what yeah. Do we got going on? And he goes, it's just, uh, it's uh, like a high fructose deal, and and they said that'll hit the same receptors as morphines and things like that. And it's just because he says all, all those are distractions and that's what sugar is. And then you look at the abundance of sugar that we just push in mm-hmm. our bodies all the time. It's fucking it's no surprise that we're the most diabetic country there is. Dude. You
0: know, did you see that documentary where they showed the brain react to a line of Coke and react to a drinking of no. Coca-Cola? Uh-uh. It sets off the same yeah. chemical reaction.
1: There's a-, a dude that drank 12 Cokes uh, every day. Here, he worked in Kansas, and then his job moved him. He was in Mexico City. Yeah. He drank, drank 12 Cokes every day, Mexico City, real cane sugar in their Cokes and all that but it didn't have the same glycemic spike for him uh-huh. because it's high fructose corn syrup we use here to such a degree that he went into a, a diabetic shock and had to be hospitalized in Mexico City to get his blood shit
0: right. Oh. Like, like, it's crazy. It's Anyway. That, I will tell you, dude, Like for me, that was the – because I'm a big weed guy. Yeah. And nobody ever gets high and be like, hey, man, where are the almonds? Do you know what I mean? Right. Like I'm not like I need some <laughs> fucking unsalted cashews right now. Right, right. <laughs> i used to pour three bags of skittles into a bowl awesome and just and of each kind the tropical the sour and the regular and i would pour them just in. to surprise you like yeah, just and you i'd mix want- it up and i'd sit in my bed with my wife and i'd eat it and she'd look at me and she'd be like you are fucking so gross right now i'm like i'm so happy uh but i would just eat eat, Did eat. it make you gassy uh, sugar, I'm, I'm gassy in general. <laughs> like, I'm the Dutch oven. Some people would say that's a diet thing. I'm a Dutch oven king. My, my my wife, like, she hates it. Like, when we'll get into a car, if we're going on a road trip, the first thing she'll say is, unlock the windows. Because she knows right away my first move is to lock that window. Be rude. Bro. Oh, rude. because this is what I want to hear from her. This is what I want to hear. Unlock the, uh, unlock the fucking window. Oh, my God. <laughs> What a good lady. (laughs) Yeah, she's the best, man. Um, When did you get into acting and why? Okay. Because you were, you leave school at how old? I don't know. 20.
1: Yeah, early 20s. 22.
0: And and then what makes you want to get into acting? I
1: I got it. I, I worked in nightclubs. I worked in construction jobs and... And then uh, I was working this one nightclub and uh, these all these dudes come in and they're like, hey, we needed some big white boys for this film out here in New Mexico. I was in New Mexico in Santa Fe and it was Master P and his crew of guys from No Limit Records. Oh, yeah. And so uh, we went and filmed a prison movie and that was where I got a SAG card and I got into that. And then I met this guy, Keith Willard, and Keith uh, was a great guy. He was a Navy SEAL and a BUDS instructor and he was a stunt coordinator on thing. And there's all kinds of shit. And they're just like, just do everything like Uh, it was like a kind of a no rules film and they're like we're going to pay you as a SAG uh, feature for the days that you are interacting with the principal or that you have some action or something but otherwise we're just going to pay you as a background extra and you know for people listening that's the difference between like $800 a day and $80 a day or whatever and then I I go okay I don't know anything I'm like fucking cool man I get to make fucking $800 a day a couple Mm -hmm. of days this Mm -hmm. week that's fucking more than I make in the month anyway or whatever and and then I somebody called SAG and they go, you can't do that. And then I got fucking a check for like twelve grand from SAG, and I was uh. like, oh, awesome! Like they just fucking, I was like, that's great. I like this. But job. I did a high fall in that. I did a bunch of fights. I high did fall all, like what? Like I did well, I was three tiers up on the in a prison cell, and I get mm-hmm. thrown off the edge of it onto a picnic table. Had you been trained? No, man. And uh, so we just did all this shit. And Wait. It, don't don't skate over that, brother. Well they, so, they, so you're
0: three floors up and someone says, Can you fall three well, floors? And, and so, you say
1: yes? Yeah. I'm like, Well let's do it. Like how how are we gonna do it? And then we put boxes up and everything like that and they uh you know Yeah but and so you, you, you just fall back into it. But and I've been I just started maybe Six months before that, doing a lot of grappling. Yeah, and uh, and so I'm into the sport, and then and we're doing judo and we're and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, how fucking hard can that? Like, how hard can it be? You know, and and so a part of it, we get kicked off. I'm in a harness and hanging there, and then when I get kicked off, and then they do a, they do other shots. Yeah, it, you know, and then we go down to the bottom, and then I do the fall onto the picnic table, which is steel, and that was the worst part falling like six or eight feet off a ladder to flat back onto a, a steel picnic table yeah dude that sounds terrible had no idea i was brand i was new i was like i'm making great I, how many you, times did you have to do it i just did that one time i think no i maybe did it twice but the first time i didn't tuck my chin enough i almost knocked myself out uh. like an idiot. <laughs> and then then keith says hey dude why don't you come out and stay at my guest house in la I like, yeah i only have to have this one job here i'm doing this fucking wrestling thing i really like and yeah. whatever and and i i said i'm just gonna do this and so i did that uh, and then that, you know, went into, you know, years, three or four years later that went into my first pro fight and, um, and all that. And I just never really thought about film again. And I did one commercial. I did like a Nissan commercial. And then How I thought about residuals for seven years, eight years, uh, eight years as a, like a professional. And then mm-hmm. like years before as um, on submission circuit, I'd fought in the worlds and the Pan Ams a bunch of times, uh, jujitsu and, uh, bu- I don't know, hundreds of stick fights, like hundreds yeah, I don't, I don't. I
0: wouldn't know how to quantify it really. Um, when you go into a ring with a fight with jujitsu, right? Okay. Okay, jujitsu. So that's what you were fighting, right? You were fighting, or was it more? Was it MMA? No, I fought mixed martial arts. Mixed martial uh, arts. So when you when you go into the that last ring,
1: time I fought in a jujitsu mats match, I yeah. was a brown belt,
0: I guess, and then and then I just fought mixed martial arts since then. When you're fighting MMA mm-hmm. and you get in the ring, uh, how? This is going to sound like the stupidest question of all time. Well, at what point do you get used to people punching you in the face? Is that right a dumb question? Slap hands with them. Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're happy. Yeah. You're ready? Yeah. That first fight? It's that- all nervous all the way up until then. Yeah. The shitty part about fighting and everybody thinks they'd be a great fighter is because they think like the way a fight pops off in a bar. Somebody fucking slaps you in the face, steps on your toes, fucking uh, spills your beer. Yeah. People are ready to fight right now. Oh, this is happening right now? Good. And they show up because they're there. It's right. happening. But like to premeditate a fight is a different thing. And like to be thinking about it every day and this is mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Then I have to be at all these different parameters. I got to be at this kind of weight, trying to keep my headspace right, my
0: home life together, everything else. Uh, it's, a, it's a different kind of battle. But is it kind of like, you know, I've heard football players say i just want to get i want to get hit that first time yeah i know guys that
1: are slow starters that are like i got punched in the face but then i also i see guys that are slow starters that get punched in the face that one time like fuck man keith he was so ready to fight vanderlei silva and we trained hard for that fight and uh and vanderlei knew that keith liked the leg kick and so he left his leg out and right when keith went to leg kick him he jumped and threw a right hook and fucking hit keith behind the ear and that was the end of the fight crazy and so that happens like if you're a slow starter like that like like that happens too but um being hit in the face isn't so bad
0: you know what i mean i, I mean it's it's not it's nothing it's a non i will tell you that for some people mm-hmm. the last fight i ever got into when like, was that oh i was in seattle so that had to be 94 ninety okay. five, ninety six. 95 96 Ninety six. I got hit once here in the forehead. Uh huh. And then I got hit once here in the back of the head, because I get hit in the forehead and I was like, I don't like this. And I turned get the fuck out of here. And he hit me one more time in the back of the head. And I was like, this isn't gonna be my game. I'm not good at this. <laughs> <laughs> I I I've told this before, and people who know me know this. My fight record, we'll call it four and eight. I I was never good I, I was never good I, I had three older brothers. And I was the youngest So That's shit, gotta be training Right shit there Shit talk is my Right It's my wheelhouse I'm also not good At saying If someone goes Walk away I'm not good at that either Right Because I was raised Right That like That you're not That's sure. gonna make you A bit of a bitch So You're gonna have to Take the punch If you ask for it Right And so I And I But I just never You know I For me I enjoy The no I took a good
1: beating Like that I was in fifth grade i think it was and the dietrichs they lived across the street yeah next to the o'donnell's there it's like the irish mafia across the street from my house and they're all like uh, the o'donnell's had nine kids and the dietrichs had 16 kids and there are all these irish catholic families mm. and so i'm walking home from school and and uh, paul dietrich he was in the middle somewhere and he's probably four or five years older than me and, and i called him a pussy or a motherfucker or something like that and, and uh he goes, oh, yeah? And I go, yeah, fuck you. And he's like, take that back or whatever it is, you know. And, uh, and he comes over. And I don't even know if he socks me or just puts me down. Yeah. But I'm down. It's an icy sidewalk. Banks on either side. And whoever's driving by is just seeing a guy sometimes coming up. and <laughs> <laughs> He can't see me at all. Just him punching me in the face over and over again. Are you done? Fuck you, motherfucker. Are you done? And, like, he must have hit me a 100 times. And um, and I go and I'd struggle and I'm like, after a while you just go. I guess this isn't gonna get different yeah. maybe <laughs> ever. And I gotta wait till he gets tired. And so then I was like, okay, I'm done. And uh, then I, I, you know, you just uh, thank God for all those lessons. I'm glad I, all the times I got beat up. I'm so happy.
0: I got beat up once <laughs> in a bar in te- in Texas. This guy was. Um, Talking a lot of shit and I was, you know, usually what happens in the bar and why I would get beat up is because if you're going to start talking shit to me, I'm usually going to be funnier than you. Right. Make you feel stupid. Mm. That's that, what the Hawaiians would say too. And that's when I lose because they're generally going to be able to fight better than I am. Yep. And I can't back down. So there was this guy and he was bigger than me and I may, I said something and the girl he was with. Oh, a girl adds a, to that. Yeah, laughed in his face. Ugh. And he stood up and I was like, oh, well, here we go. And I'm standing there, and i, I and he was so big where I was like, I'm going to have to hit this dude first. If I've got a fucking shot, I'm going to have to load up with right. whatever I've got. I came from down here. Dude, I hit this dude solid. I And, and I'm not the biggest guy in the world, but I'm a grown-up. But, like, you know if you hit a golf ball, and you're like, ooh, that was a good swing. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. got yeah. it. Yeah, and I was
0: like, I'm a grown-up. I, I should be at least be. this will be a starter. And I hit him as hard as I could on the jaw. And it turned his head. It didn't even knock his cowboy hat off. And he turned back and he goes, son, you're going to have to do better than that. And I was like, oh, That's fucking so no. <laughs> so good. Dude, he he beat me up as he was talking to me. Right. So he would hit me. He was like, let me tell you something. Oh, it was like, I, I don't remember most of the beating, but it was a fucking ass that kicking. awesome. My friends, who I put friends in quotation because none of them really jumped in. Right. Later, when I asked, I'm like, nobody jumped in. They were like, "Did you see the size of that dude?" (laughs) (laughs) I was like, "Yeah, I fucking did." And he went went home with the girl anyway. He went home with the girl, and yeah, it didn't. It did not work out well for me. Do you? Yeah. Do you? You don't have kids. No. If you had, where do you stand? This is a better question. In general, you know, for me, when I my rule with my kids was always, "Hey, listen, you know, a bully." understands a punch in the mouth right so and i know there's this whole use your words and it's a big thing to say to kids now use your words use your words right i'm of the belief that sometimes you got to use your hands do you believe that also sure, i think you ought to be good at it all i think it's disgraceful not to be but i think
1: about it like my dog i got this dog hank it's a great great hank, name for dog by Hank. he's uh, he named after uh yeah hank moody but um hank was like hank, hank is a dick he's like a bully. And he's, he's probably like Catahoula Hound, Pit Bull. I found him wandering in the desert in New Mexico. He's all sucked up, emaciated. And anyway, then we got to be friends. And he's stuck around and he's been That's here awesome for a long day, time. But he, uh, he'll go up and he'll run up on any dog and he'll see what you do. And if you're like a really nice golden retriever, a lot of those dogs are like, my move is to fall to my back and wag my tail and yes. hope that you like me. You yeah, know? Yeah, 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 And if you're that guy... Hank stands over you, growling and menacing you until you piss straight up in the air. And then he's satisfied. He walks off. Now, if he runs up on you and you're a chihuahua and you just look at him and, and you don't even have to growl, but if you do, maybe added benefit. But if you just look like you're going to be any kind of threat at all, he's like, oh, cool. That's, they're owning their ground and cool. And he yeah. goes on and does his thing. And, and I think that that's kind of the thing that you'd want to teach any animal is that own the ground that you're on, uh, you you deserve it. Like, you merit it. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that you shouldn't feel, like, safe in where you are. Like, you know, I, th- I think that's important. We teach people that. And maybe you get knocked down, but for sure, own your ground. And, and if you do own your ground, the chances of you running into somebody that's going to try to push you over are slimmer
0: than if you were just going to acquiesce. Right, because the if we use your dog as an example, sure. or, if, 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 or if we use... But, if you put your dog in people, they're always going to look for the, the one that rolls on their back and right. pisses straight in the air. Yeah. They always are. The bully is always going to yep. look for that person. And then
1: everybody else, no matter how it goes back to your question about, like, oh, if you're a skilled fighter, why do you fight less or whatever? Nobody wants to. We already know who we are, and and we all know that we're in a communal effort here to get by, and life's hard enough. And, and people with an elevated thought process, I think, are thinking, I want everybody to do well, and and the only time I'm going to be physical is... If it's to settle somebody down, that is maybe going to hurt the tribe in some way.
0: When did this gentler you come through, and why? I
1: think because it's, it's always been that way. I've always been like a protector. I've always, I mean, like the, the first fights I was in was always against bullies. Right. The first time I got beat up, I was, I think, in kindergarten. I was, it was the first time I walked to school by myself. And my cousin is a bad motherfucker. My he went on. He's like ten years older than me. Went on to be a force recon marine at sixteen or seventeen years old. Stop I it. Went in early. And uh, he just couldn't handle life the w- the way it was set out, and he went in and changed his life. And and uh, but before that, Spence was a bad motherfucker. And and so these guys are like, are you, "Oh, Tate Fletcher, are you Spence's, are you related to Spence." I go, "Oh, that's my cousin." I'm like, "How oh, proud!" Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh, awesome story!" Wop wop wop. <laughs> and uh, and so the, and those are the crossing guards, like fifth or sixth graders. <laughs> me up right. I have no idea whatever happened. I never asked Spence about it, and. Uh, and then i walked walk to school. But, like, it, since then, I'm like, there's people like that. And you see, you see that kind of thing. And I think there's an innate thing in people where you want justice, where that's like, you know, we talk about these inalienable rights. And I believe that, like, justice is one of those things that doesn't really exist. Justice doesn't exist? No. Only in, in, to the degree that we push it. I mean, like, today's Martin Luther King Day, and I look at that, and I think about, I think about that, too. And I think, you know, those are guys, you look at Martin Luther King and... and uh, uh, Malcolm X, they're kind of contemporaries, right? Mm -hmm. That's, uh, that's, but you look at like Jackie Robinson, that's like twenty years earlier. Mm -hmm. Like, that's really you could hang a black guy and completely get away with it Mm -hmm. right in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. Like nobody gave a fuck. And like, that's dude, that's not so long ago. Not at all. That's so. So when I look back in history, Mm -hmm. and when I and and I made a post on Instagram today about like like you know, soldiers wear all kinds of different outfits and guys like that. Like if I'm in the army, I like, I just left a friend of mine and he was a seal team six guy and fucking, and all the, they're, I mean, that's all, everything is, is great. Like, and I'm, and admire all that stuff. However, for a guy like Martin Luther King or like Jackie Robinson, you're alone, man. It's not like you have a platoon of guys or like guys next to you. I mean, guys that I know that fight in the military, they're fighting for the guys next to them. They don't give a fuck mm-hmm. about democracy. Nobody cares. Nobody's a dem- democratic representative in the world. They don't care about that. That's not what we're doing. They're just like the guys in China are not communists, but those guys, man, that stood there in inside and they say, "I'm going to get served at this cafe, or I'm going to drink from this water fountain." And they're alone yeah, in a societal segregated place where it's completely acceptable for people to come up with bats and beat you to death if you're the wrong skin color. It's completely acceptable to sick dogs that have been trained to hurt people on children and women. It's completely acceptable to throw your wife down who's nine months pregnant and kick her until she loses the baby if she's black and in a peaceful protest somewhere. That's completely acceptable not long ago. And so those kinds of people for me, it makes anything else, whether it's Vietnam era shit or whatever, look almost posh in comparison. Because here's a guy with dignity standing there in a suit and tie that is uh, articulate, well-spoken, and he's simply asking for, can I please not be thought of negligibly in this society?
0: I was thinking about this today, dude. <laughs> That's crazy. I was thinking about this. I agree with you. I was thinking about this today in MLK. And I was thinking about that exact same thing. Would I have had the balls to walk into a diner with three of my friends, in college, these college kids are four of your friends, knowing not only was I not going to get served and not only was I going to get the shit beat out of me, but the people who they were going to call to come stop the people from kicking the shit out of me. They want to hang me too. How? How? And, And that's the thing, like, it's remarkable the, in a way
1: that I don't have words for.
0: I agree with that. The 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 level of, and I don't know if brave is even the right word. You are setting out as these three or four people to try to change the world. What? Maybe because
1: you have a kid. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Maybe you're going, I'm willing to die right here. And I'm willing to have the skin stripped from me while I'm alive so that maybe my son can sit in a chair. Or, or, or whatever the thinking is, I don't know what that bravery is, but it makes me shake to think of mm-hmm. because I feel, you know, I I feel like a coward because I go, what I've stood up, I Would I've would I've done that. that, yeah, you know, it also honestly it, perspective everybody. It's easy to stand up for that guy. It's easy for me to be a white guy in the Nowadays. diner, or or even then to be a white guy in the diner and stand up because you're not gonna hang me and go, no man, let him fucking eat yep. or whatever. That's that's the easy thing. But to be that that guy, I can't even, I can't even imagine. And so then I think about today in this world, we got to try harder too, because the other thing is, is that I know people that they want to think of themselves as racist people. And I don't want to call them racist as if that's a name or something to call somebody like, but, um, we, you know, there's a great book out called blind spots, which you should read. But like the, the thing is, is that if we're not present to the idea that, that... A friend of mine and I got in an argument about... He says, well, we don't live in a racist society. We don't live in a racist country. How great is that? And I go, we don't. I go, where where do you live?
0: Yeah. And, and, <laughs> I, I go, because there? if
1: we're going to look at the differences in populations of black and white in America, and then we're going to look and juxtapose that over, overlay it on the prison population, it's starkly fucking different. Yes. And so that either means... That you think that black people are deficient in some way and um, are unable to live in a regular society, which is fucking racist. Yeah. Or you're agreeing with me that they were in a racist society. That there's a setup. Yeah, for that to there's happen.
0: a huge setup. You, you know, I um, work with a group of kids, um, and uh, up at, every Christmas we bring them stuff and presents and uh, they're they're from east la and south central and actually some from bad parts of the valley and they're kids from like 14 to 17 and they've had tough upbringings and you know parents in jail or taken out of gangs and there was one kid up there dude who had filed all by himself filed all of his teeth down to look like dracula teeth right all all. like these kids are like and i'm not i wasn't for a long time they, I was like, it might, you know, bath. My wife would like to come up, and they're, and they're like, no women. Like it's not they They were some yeah, rough kids, pretty raw. And as what dawned on me, one what dawned, two things really struck me. One that those that life that I'm describing of fucking chiseling down your teeth and no parents and living on is ten miles from here. Right. That was I was like, wait, this is not like some removed. This is fucking 10 miles from here. There a couple
1: different choices. Those are your kids.
0: Yes. OK. The other thing that dawned on me was these kids. OK, they when people will say, well, you know, you shouldn't use your environment as an excuse. Or so you're talking about kids who, who uh, with no parents, no role models. Uh, they a lot of these kids, when we bring them gifts every Christmas. Do you know what I get? Thank you letters from all of them and over usually over 50% will say something like nobody's ever given me a present before i don't know how to respond thank you so much you know how to-
1: it's weird you're a little weird for this
0: dude yeah. no yeah. birthday no yeah. christmas present 15 year old person right yeah. what dawns on me i had so, a guy
1: do that to me and he's like my family doesn't do this so it's odd but it's i crazy appreciate the gesture but it's i don't know but yeah.
0: they they were like taken aback but what so these kids they lived on the streets they do what they have to do to survive the the system forgets about them because they're not cute and cuddly you're not a four-year-old anymore you're not i mean no nothing's as cute as an asian baby you know what i mean (laughs) so there's they're not cute and cuddly they're tatted up they're fucked up and then when they're 18 the state no longer looks out for you and they go now go live and now they make some mistakes and we want to blame them well we don't tell me we haven't set them up to fail we've set them up to fail and when they fail then we go look at the fucking black people well, then also, it's terrible.
1: I think that the other aspect of that is like we look at things and as if we all want to live peacefully and wholly together, and that's not what the. We, I think we have an out of control, capitalistic regime kind of that takes us in America now, and and, and I'm I'm a capitalist, Me but too. like I, I I'm one with the heart, and uh, I feel like the way it is is like right now they that setup is great for this kind of regime that I'm speaking of because. I'm going to totally have people to feed into this system. It's kind of like when Rogan talks about stuff, he, he's like, well, you know, Colorado's killing it with the taxes now and all that kind of stuff on the weed and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And I go, I go, it'll never be a overall legal thing unless they can, um, they'll doctor it. If Pfizer and up John and those guys start making weed, that'll be the thing. And then you'll see the first deaths from weed. But is it? If there's 10 of us in the room, Joe, and there's you and and Josh that smoke weed and the other eight of us don't smoke weed, is it more enriching to tax you two and to let everybody else out that's in prison from weed-related issues? Or is it better to keep it illegal and tax all of us to keep you criminals in jail? And, like, that's where the rub is. The DEA, the the, the components of the FBI, Mm -hmm. components of every sheriff, city, and state police office, they've got a drug enforcement aspect to that. And all of that stuff is taxed to the public. It's like, it's like when there's a natural disaster and we've got to send in somebody to clean up the, the Gulf from Halliburton. Well, fuck, that's, that's a taxpayer burden. And so that's the rub. That's the, we're all prisoners in that way. Absolutely. They don't want the betterment is my point. They don't no. want those kids to succeed. They want those kids in prison.
0: A hundred percent. It's better. And, and, and like We used weed as an example. I remember t- I talked to a guy. And maybe a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about weed, and he was it should be illegal. And I go, well, tell me why it should be illegal. And he was like, well, it's bad for you. I'm like, well, then we're going to outlaw cigarettes, right? Right. And he was like, no. And I go, well, they're bad for you. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, but there's cigarettes. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And and so the, it's not you about- need a new argument, exactly. <laughs> it, When Exactly. When the government tells me we're going to outlaw it because it's bad for you, yep. that is the biggest single lie. It's a red flag. Because then- Take away my booze. Tell me about Budweiser. Yeah. Tell me about drunk driving deaths
1: and tell me about cigarettes. Tell me about about domestic violence from alcohol.
0: Oh, and fucking tell me about the Big Mac that you're okay with your kid eating. All of that. So uh, don't tell me that you're outlawing something because it's bad. It's like with steroids
1: when they talk about like that uh, knucklehead, Novinsky or whatever that works for the UFC now. He works for USADA. And he's like, yeah, because it's bad examples for kids. And I'm like. You got to not use that narrative because that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's so that they won't get sued anymore by people that are saying you don't care about putting me against a guy that's on steroids. And so now they up their testing. That's all that that is. It's a, a- money game.
0: Absolutely. And, and you're 100 percent right. If the pharmaceutical companies could figure out how to monopolize weed, it would be legal tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow. Well, but- they're going to. Well, they can't... The problem is, dude... They're going to outlaw
1: growers. I,
0: but I can't grow... Well, that's the thing. They'll have to do that because I can't grow Vicodin in my backyard. I tried. It doesn't work. I took a pill and I planted it. Nothing fucking... <laughs> I thought Killed I'd get the a, grass. I thought I'd get a little Vicodin tree. I didn't get shit, okay? So I can't make that here. I need Merck. I need right? Pfizer. I don't need them for the weed. And that is, I think, is where we're going to come... Until you do. Until I do. And like that... We don't need uh, farmers
1: for the corn or the wheat or whatever... Until Monsanto, and now we don't need them because they, you know, I mean, they've made they made strains of uh, seeds that they call the Terminator strains, right? Yeah. Where where they die after they they're not they're not a seed that regenerates its biology. Yeah. Like it's one season. Now you got to buy it from us again, and so they're bending the farmers over in that way. And pretty soon, there's just none of it, and that'll happen with weed too, for I, sure. I, it'll take. I think. They said five years they put a moratorium on it before big corporations can get into the weed game in California. Five years? Five years. And
0: five years for them, so
1: what? I think
0: in a decade, this country will change dramatically because there will be a generation of old white people who will eventually just end up dying. Sure. And I think that's going to change things socially a lot. I think even the younger conservative folks don't hold on to the, the astringent, uh, socially conservative views as some of the older
1: ones. But you want, there's a trick that happens, though, and what's this trick? Where, you know, where the GOP has got, where, where you've got a guy like Trump who's born a billionaire mm-hmm. and a guy with an old beat-up pickup truck in the middle of Iowa or whatever is like, that's my guy because he speaks my language yeah, I don't just because he doesn't read books and I don't read books either, so I guess we're the same. Like, it's crazy. So these people that are looking for uh, more responsibility, that have feel like they've been just cast aside by the country and by all these liberal fucks on either side and all these dumb actors over here, mm-hmm. and the rich people on the East Coast and worse for the regular man. And so a guy that is beholden to all the Wall Street banks says, I'm against all these banks. What are you doing over here, Hillary? And then they're like, yeah, that's our guy. He said that stuff. And... I kinda don't like Mexicans either. So <laughs> I mean, it's fucking amazing. So I'm basically I make twenty thousand dollars
0: a year and I'm the same as this billionaire. That's crazy to me that people relate to him like that. And oh that, that that to me was the biggest part. Like he's just like me.
1: No. I think the greatest thing is he could get he could get arrested before he gets inaugurated. Like he could get this could be a thing. It wouldn't matter. It's all going down though, because for sure he's got the audacity.
0: Where he's going to do criminal shit and be like, "I'm above that." Oh, I think, I do think he'll be impeached at some point in time in this, and I don't think he cares. Yeah. Honestly, I really do, and I think Pence would probably be happier, and I, th- I think
1: the in- GOP would be happier because Pence is I think more so. controllable.
0: I think so. I, th- I, I, that's what I think. Um, but I also don't think it matters. Well, I think what people forget is that. If you really want to change your life, vote locally. Right. Vote. Well, that's the whole thing. And people—that's people forget. They think the vote is every once every four years. It is not. It's every day you spend a dollar. Yes. It's every dollar. you Vote locally, and I encourage people also, man. Spend locally. Spend on your small businesses. Fuck the. I know Walmart, and it's cheaper. But if you can, even if there's one thing where you're like, I can buy this, but it's a short run,
1: and it's a short run cheaper. Because the cost, I mean, when you look at the cost of healthcare costs Mm -hmm. and you look at what, what, cost is as far as like how many people are employed how wages have gone down in your community like it, it all costs like there's no there's no free lunch here like walmart's not a savior it's it's a cancer yeah and like those, those things that go on I, like so i, I just, i've got a uh, podcast called pirate life radio and like we started keith and Lacey and i started caveman coffee kind of around these nutrition talks where are
0: you caveman coffee guy? yeah
1: yeah oh that's awesome yeah dude. so we it's we, we, good we, coffee by the way brother well oh, thank you yeah thank you uh, we we began that kind of under that kind of an idea about pirate your life back about your life has been subjugated by these but we we have a government that's a shadow of corporations at mm-hmm. this point you know and and so uh, under that vein I'm like you we need we just started talking a lot about buying local about being connected to your people about knowing who your neighbor is and and that kind of it spoke to coffee and sustainability and and um, that is and so important
0: it's so important to act locally and and I'm I agree with you 100% Because otherwise neighbor. we feel impotent.
1: Yeah. Otherwise we feel like, well, it's like that thing, that big lie that everything causes cancer. Well, that's just not true. And now you're putting yourself under a, yeah. a narrative that isn't successful. But, dude,
0: when did you... Okay. So for me, and this is why, and I do follow you on social media, dude, and I love how you're positive. You're positive, positive, positive. But... As a, a, uh, I love your high walks. I appreciate it, dude. As an addict, you, that positive energy, that's not where it's coming from. Where does the overwhelming positive outlook come from, dude? Because for some people, it's hard to generate. Huh. Yeah. And, and for me, this is where it is for me, and I'll let you think about that question for a second. sure. For me, it's just not only is it more productive. My view is this. I'm on this rock one time. So I get to choose how I want to spend my day. Do I want to spend my day thinking about what other people have and what I don't have and why this didn't happen to me and how come I'm not here? Or do I want to spend my this 24 hours, which I'll never get back ever again, doing something that I like, doing something, walk, walking my dog, talk, having lunch with my wife. Instead of talking about the things that I can't do, trying to put into action the things that I know I can do. I've always said to people, and this is, I think, a starter kit for people. When they go, well, I can't get started, I always say, do three things for yourself every day. Write a list, make sure you check off those three things. You will start to empower yourself and feel good about yourself. And when you do three things for yourself every day, I know a lot of people think this is hippie dippy shit. I believe in energy. You start to get energy in your life pushing towards something that you want but when you're constantly saying what you don't have guess what you're never going to get that that's what you're bringing on yourself sure do you believe that yeah that's
1: great i love that three things thing too
0: dude it's so if for people who are just starting i got when i listen i lived in in a part when i raised my three i was single raising my three kids i made less than a thousand dollars a month i lived Crazy. in one room and a traveling comic at the time i was not traveling okay. because i couldn't Right. right. So, um, but I had to, it, it was hard. There, I, there were two things. I, I, I put a sign up on my one, we had one room, all of us, but I put a sign up on the wall that said, keep your legs moving. That was my way of just, ne- I, I never wanted life to push me backwards. Now, if I, as long as my legs were moving, I may not go forward, but nobody, life wasn't going to push me backwards anymore. I had decided when I put that up on my wall, this was as far back as I was going. Right. And so... I know people think this is stupid shit, but that visualizing it and seeing it every day makes a, well, for me, made a huge difference. And then I was like, I'm going to do three things every day. And as soon as I started doing that, dude, I went for, and I started doing that in July. And I was dead in the water as far as this business. By December, I was out of that room in a house on the hills. I had put together a one-man show. I had gotten a television deal. I didn't buy a house in the hills, everybody, and I r- rented a house I couldn't afford. But I was like, "Fuck it, we are not living in this fucking room another single day." Yeah. And but it, I I do attribute that to just changing my point of view. I felt I, I made myself a victim for so long. Right. That when you have a victim's mentality, you're never going to achieve. One of my anything. greatest teachers said, "A victim will never recover." To hate. Ever. And so it was such a, and I, when I look back, I wasn't any funnier in July than I, or in December than I was in July. I wasn't a better comedian. I wasn't, but I had changed my outlook and I had changed the energy that was circling Mm -hmm. around me. And it just sent me down a different road. And so for me, that's what it was. I remember that was, it was a huge shift in instead of why me, why, what, what, why am I here in this fucking room? Yeah. I shifted it into I, you know, more like I can do this. This is just where I am. It's not who there I was am. a
1: homeless guy that helped me a lot with that. Is that true? Yeah. I was living over at like third and poinsettia and there was a homeless guy that went to the Ralph's across the street and he would stay there outside. And, and it's a tall, good looking guy, like probably 60 years old, uh, clean and everything. And, and, uh, say hey how you doing oh man i'm blessed today man how are you it's really good to see you today so man i'm great thanks man cool and every day and at first i'm like i'm not fucking with homeless people whatever yeah and uh and he was just his name was sean and he, he was like super gracious he loved to smoke rock and so he would go on binges though and he would go downtown and he would smoke rock and then he'd fucking burn his life down and he come back so him on the come up was when he was able to stand outside ralph's and beg right right like his shitty spots were in between there and he was just always so gracious and i didn't really get it until i saw the opposite of that and i was, I was outside the beverly center one day and there's a guy and he's like faking a limp and he's dirty as fuck and he's like hey, can you help me? And he can't and i'm like are you speaking orc to me Or yeah, what? yeah, yeah. like and I go, I'm about to kick you in front of a bus, bro. Like, there's <laughs> zero help for you here. And I just, and I, and I was driving back, and I thought, how different a reaction you have from that guy than you have from Sean. And that's all about you. Like, so the happier you are, the nicer you are, the kinder you are, the more you want to fuck with Sean. Like, the, and the more an employer would want to fuck with you, or the more you're like, and it's, it, it started kind of dawning on me at that time. And then I, I just, it was like one of these things that be, years before that I'd been in New Mexico and I was digging ditches for this electrical contractor and a guy I was listening to, he was talking about uh, what kind of, dictating what kind of life you are going to have, deciding it, yeah. deciding yourself before the thing happens. And and I thought, well, I've got to get the ditch, the ditch has to be dug. Yeah. I can feel about it like this or I can feel about it like that. Feeling about it badly makes me feel badly. And so I just thought, And I'm going to fall in love with this. And then I go, oh, be careful of that. Because if you fall in love with digging ditches, then you're a ditch digger. Right. And then what I found was that wasn't true. What I found was you learn how to fall in love with your life. And then that's a transferable skill. And then the more in love you are with things, people are like, wow, he's really like all you have to do is be in love with something and be awesome at it. And other people look at that and go, I want to fuck with that too. Yeah. And then that gets better and that creates energy. And then the people aspect for me is being very careful and sensitive about who's around me. And I'm really sensitive to that. And so I only What do you mean? I only keep the best, highest vibration okay. people around me. And if you're a dude that talks about other people a lot or that is, is mean spirited or something like that, like and that's cool, man, if that's where you're at, but I just don't want to be around that very much. And I don't want to partake in those conversations very much. And like like we were talking about before, I don't know if it was on the air or off, but like where, you know, like sometimes I'll fall back into that and I'll talk shit about Fred or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. like and then you're like, well, now you're not that guy. It's like, you know, a lot of people in here and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, there's there's those slip ups. But the people that I'm around, they'll call me on that, too. And they'll go, oh, dude, yeah, but he's a great. guy. And I'm like, yeah,
0: yeah, no, that's tr- right. Because I want to be that. And so but being positive doesn't mean and having a positive outlook, everybody doesn't mean that every now and then you're not critical of somebody. And that, right. that's not what that means. Right. You can st- and by the way, and, and I think this is a huge problem right now. Somehow criticism has turned into you hate it. You're judgmental. Yeah, but criticism is like almost, it's also how you get better. It's like, also
1: called a critique. Yeah, it's it, okay. It's like, it's okay. And that's what when people are like, oh, you're judgmental. I'm like, it's called discernment. Yeah. Nobody ever taught me when I was a kid, and they're like, have bad judgment or have no judgment. <laughs> We'd like you to have no judgment. Like, no, they're like, we need to have good judgment if you're going to pull the car into traffic. You need to be judging the speed of the other car. Like, it's a skill set to know who to have lunch with, who to follow, who to emulate.
0: And it doesn't make me a hater. No. It just means, like, I have one small criticism of whatever. Or,
1: because I'm aware of this? Like, was I not supposed to be aware of that because it's ugly? It's an ugly trade of yours? Like, it's like, I'm aware of it. And it doesn't mean I don't like you either. I mean, I I was talking, uh, Andy Stumpf is a guy I was on a podcast with, and He's a, he's a fucking SEAL team, fucking, he's a dude, he put down a lot of people, and, uh, <laughs> and, and we had different, we had a different dialogue about, like, Guantanamo Bay, yeah. and I was like, those people should have just been let free and exonerated, like, what the fuck, we just kidnapped people and locked them up and tortured them, it's not very cool, um, and he's like, yeah, but what do you do now that you, figure out? he's like, I agree, that's what mm-hmm. we did, but I go, we well, let him out, he goes, no, you shoot him in the head. And I go, I don't think so. He says every one of them. He says, and I would sleep great. And I go, wow. I go, uh, I go. But you can't do that before. That's like thought police shit. You yeah. can't do that before. Anyway, and we we go back and forth. He's got great points on it, and I'm able to look at that, and and I've got points on it that I feel strongly about, and he's able to look at it. My point is, is that we don't agree necessarily, or didn't at the time, and love and respect each other still. Yeah. And that's the thing is like both of us. Uh, don't have to agree, and neither of us need to be wrong. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, it's a it's, especially, <laughs> that's the thing, like, we, we've, uh, like, an opinion is just that. So it's so like what you just argued about, there was no, what your, what your opinion wasn't his, there's no factual right or wrong. Right. But somehow people have turned opinions into facts. And that becomes news, which is a trip, too. It's, and it's, really dangerous when Super. you're making your opinion a fact mm-hmm. it's really and 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 when you use the internet to only search out the information that you want what well,
1: how fucking beautiful is it too when you can go no dude. do like you respect somebody love them enough you're and you're in the listening instead of in a rebuttal yeah in your mind and you go no i can see that i i can think i feel that way too and your mind changes yeah and that is a, you know, that's awesome. It's not to be rigid in your mind. Like, everybody voted, like, that's a that's a weird thing. Everybody voted for George Bush they go, well, yeah, he's dumb and he's wrong, but at least he's got, He's got. you know, he stands for what he stands for. He's not a wishy-washy guy. And I'm like, okay. Like, that's ludicrous. But that's that kind of thing where you can have confidence yeah. with no merit. You've got no reason to be confident. Oh, and it- if you're confident enough, people will be like, I guess that's our leader.
0: That is and so it's true, dude. Crazy. You don't have to know what you're talking about, but if you say something with confidence, people will be like, sure. Yep. Especially anybody with any humility, because you're like, well, I know, I don't know, but
1: he seems so sure yeah. of himself, I guess I'm fooled.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I do that with words all the time. I'm like, I don't think that's a word, but I'm not going to challenge him because he right. said it with such confidence. <laughs> right. right. Uh, somebody, uh, the word was entre- entrepreneurship. And I go, okay. I was like, seems like the, more syllables than yeah, we've ever used it's, before. It's I guess. Okay. Because it, with such confidence, I was like entrepreneur. Yeah. Sure. I'm with
1: it. And these paradoxes though, bro, because that's the other part of it too, is that there is the other side of that where belief is everything. If I'm believing I'm positive, then I'm behaving positively and then I'm thinking about, po- or if I believe that I'm fucking really good, I have a rudimentary skill of fighting, but I have a fucking belief in myself. Ooh, that's Conor McGregor. Dude. You know what I mean, and so like that shit pays bills too in certain oh, points.
0: 100 percent.
1: And so, but but that's the thing that the nuances that I can't get—I don't know how to articulate it well enough, and I wish I did—about uh, the discernment that it takes to go, yeah, this is true, but also the equal and opposite is equally true. Like, like these with the opinions, are, we yeah. live in it, it. It's pretty crazy, it,
0: and that's the thing, man. Like, so if we stop, if we use we should definitely think of facts as facts, mm-hmm. but we should stop getting so upset with opinions, obviously, except for opinions like, you know, Mexicans are terrible. And we, but right. with opinions, when people have different, it's what we were talking about earlier about at the bottom line. Did we, were we talking about this when I was saying that everybody on both sides, they want the same thing. They yes, want safety. Exactly. Right? We're talking
1: about communism. So we're so, talking yeah. about the
0: same thing, right? Yep. So we're talking, you want the same thing. It's just your opinion on the path on how to get there. And that's where we, kind of need to get better with each other you know i performed at guantanamo and to talk to those guys oh yeah dude that must have been eye opening oh my god okay it, first of all i'm i was i was such a an honor for me to be there and my son had just gone into the army so it was the first time i was looking at soldiers as other people's kids yeah wow. so different than looking. same with strippers yes Start doing that. by the way yeah Same that happened thing. with me and my daughter yeah. i was like i can't go in there anymore that's somebody's that's somebody's daughter uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah 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 because yeah that would fucking no yeah um but that was crazy so yep. it changed first of all it changed my way of thinking like oh, these are kids these are somebody's fucking kids but to go down there to guantanamo and see the whole setup Oof. and to see the original jail because you know you talk to the guys down there and by the way did you know Guantanamo? Uh, we were told had the highest rate, highest turnover rate. Like people go crazy quickest in Guantanamo. Really? Fucking island fever. Wow. They're in this tiny little, they yep. can't go into Cuba. They're on this tiny little fucking block of land. And that's it. When we were there, McDonald's was out of burgers, out of McNuggets. They only had like fries and apple pies, which is great. By the right. way, they're, they're two best <laughs> items. Man, can live on that. <laughs> But but it was like, you know, island, 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 island. but the soldiers were so happy for it to bet. see us, but the jail we got to go into all the jails, dude. It was a fu- we were standing other people in there. Okay, so there was one jail we weren't allowed to go into. <laughs> and the, there was, it was they were both new jails, but the reason is they had the the prisoners separated. There was one jail and the one we were in and we saw the cameras and all that stuff. And they had like Cheetos and Pepsi and Playstations in every cell. Wow. And I was like, what's the, you know, guy drinking a Pepsi, eating Cheetos, playing right. PlayStation? And I go, what's the deal? And the guy was like, yeah, we found that when we gave them PlayStation and Pepsi, they stopped throwing feces at us. And we were like, okay. That's- Seems like a good trade-off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can yeah, afford yeah. an Xbox for that. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Now, the other jail was guys who they were like, you know, you don't speak around them. And I said, why? And he said, because, you know, these are young kids who come and they'll take inventory. And a year later, they'll just take inventory mentally of all the things you've said. And they'll pick up your sister's name. They'll pick up where she lives. And then by the end of that year, they'll pick up some facts and they'll whisper through a door. I'm going to send some people to kill your sister, Karen, in Detroit. And all of a sudden, that 19 year old has no fucking idea how he knows he has a sister, Karen, in Detroit. And those guys, they keep separate. Because those guys are like, they're like highly intelligent, yep. criminal, trained mass, fuckers. And they're like, we just can't, they just do not play well right. with other people.
1: And those are grown ass men versus a 19 year old's intellect. 100%. That's a hundred percent. That's Yeah, nobody talks about and that, but that's been, gotta be starkly different. And
0: they've been trained in how to do that shit. Yeah, this Intelli- other,
1: real intelligence shit. And it's a regular hey, soldier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But it was fascinating. And I'll tell you something else, man. The guys down there will tell you when they first started sending people to Guantanamo, Guantanamo, they weren't prepared. They'll tell you. I we can't did, even imagine. They'll tell you, we did not have adequate jails. They were outside and exposed to the elements. But you know who else was? The guards. The guards. Well, that's, that's what I was just going to say, too. On that island, it's like
1: Everybody's, that kid also yes. is in jail. Yes. Like everybody that's there, if you work in the
0: Corrections Institute, you are in prison for 12 hours a day or whatever you are. But these, I'm telling you, these guys down in Guantanamo do they also do a thankless job one because when you say the word Guantanamo 70% I would say of this country have a negative view already right so they're not doing what other people continue to be it, 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 their idea to be the hero shit right oh yeah you or oh, you served overseas you're a hero come back oh you were at fucking Guantanamo right so there's always that thing uh, it,
1: it, for me I just right when you say it even I just feel sad I'm like ooh, the poor guy like because that is thankless in, thankless in all the ways, and they're doing God a damn.
0: very difficult job, man, in a very difficult environment. And the the and I will say this: the kids, and they were kids. They, I, I was so impressed with all of them, and the people who ran the island. Like like I said, they tell you they brought you to the old jail, and they were like, "Listen, we know that this was not adequate. It's why we built two new stuff. Right. But it wasn't adequate because we decided to throw them in jail like animals. It wasn't adequate because." Nobody was prepared for it. And all right. of a sudden, we had these... Yeah, this thing happened. And we had these prisoners that we had to put somewhere, right. and it was designated to be here. And then, so the only pictures that people and that,
1: But And to be fair, to designated to be there because... There we can put people. We can lock them up <laughs> without any rights at all. Yes. No. There's so that. So there's that, that there's aspect that, there's that, there's of that, it. That. There were other places, there, but there. Texas wasn't. <laughs> that didn't fit the bill for what we wanted to do to yes. those guys.
0: But the truth is, like they were put in a in in. They'll tell you we we started building as soon uh, as we were told people were coming, but when they got here. They had no choice. And the original spot was rough, dude. But it
1: was... I always think they should do, like, a fucking thing where, like, at LAPD, all these kinds of hot zones, guys like that, like, to have, like, full-on, like, we have meditation and massage and, like, or whatever fucking niceties and things to help your mind and nourish you yeah. and nurture you, because we don't do shit. All this shit... I was walking through the airport today in Miami, and there's, like, a DAV sign, and and I'm, like... That's a private organization. All these things are not government things. And we fucking go, the government and these corporations use up these kids, use up these guys. And then you got it, like my friend fucking, they do all these guys, they do all this stuff for the Navy SEAL Foundation. That's not a government program. Yeah. These are private programs because our government, who sings about you should be fucking honoring the troops so much. Fucks them over, uses them up for minimum wage, and then fucks them over hardest and fastest forever. And the best they do is give them a good drug problem. They don't give like it's fucking horrific.
0: It really is the way we treat our military when they come home. If we invested half of the time and money that we do into training them, yes, and just put it into when they get out. Mm -hmm. But it's like we've trained them, we wind them up, we tell them to act. You know, my son, I told you was. It did boots on the ground in Afghanistan, and he, you know, he came back a little different, and he's got his PTSD issues. But I watched how they they treated, and treated isn't the right word, but I watched the training, I guess, or that he got when he right. got back. There was no training. There was, you know, in my mind, it's not you, like a good debrief. <laughs> no, there. You know what there should be, dude. When you come back from war, there should be whether it's Miami or San Diego, yeah. there should be 3 or 4 months to decompress. You
1: go to boot camp for 3 or 4 or however long it is, you should actually you should decompress. easily do that. Let's give
0: them part. a chance to learn to re-assimilate, not to put them in the house with their fucking wife and kids right, right away. Let's get them with a bunch of other guys, like-minded situation. You no know dude, he's a Marine he got back. He was- Ma- He's
1: leading guy. Go ahead.
0: Oh, you know a guy who's a marine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go,
1: ahead. go ahead. And he and his wife was a marine also, but when he got back, he's like, she's not my marine though. Like he was so he was so segmented in his shit. He's like, I didn't get along. Like he didn't get along with anybody anymore. And he's he, he's and
0: he's just left in the wind. And the only thing he liked was to to Re-enlist. go back out again. It's really kind of sad uh-huh. that the only place they and I, I don't mean this like you're not do like. And thank you for your service and the fact that you're going out and doing shit I could never do. So let's, but I think it's sad that they're Americans and the only place they feel comfortable is getting deployed again. And let's
1: be honest, too, is like all the soldiers aren't soldiers. Like there's not, like, People are made to be different shit, and, like, a lot of those guys are just in poor economic backgrounds that are just looking for a job or a way out of their neighborhood, and, and then and then there they are, and they're used up in that way, you know, and that's why the PTSD, I was talking to a bunch of spec ops guys, and I was thinking, oh, we don't have a lot of that in the spec ops community, and I go, why is that, do you think? They said, because when we go in, we're there hunting, we're predators, and we have an objective, and we're going to complete that objective. And he said when most guys that are infantry go in, huh. they can they are reactive. They are prey. And so they cannot shoot on anybody. They can't do anything until they're attacked. And so they're waiting all the time for the next thing to happen. That's so interesting. And I was like, that is a psychic trick that happens. I believe that seems like a good explanation.
0: Yeah, because you get jumpy waiting for... Yeah. You're not out there pr- hunting and looking. It's the difference You're between... You're hoping to not get killed. Yeah, you know what it is? It's like the difference between the way a... Uh, tiger walks and mm-hmm. the way something that is like a deer that's always twitchy and looking around because it knows at any given moment, oh, I get fucked here.
1: Yep. Right. And so you put a bunch of deer under the leadership maybe of a lion, but there's still some deer. There's our deer. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: hadn't thought about that, dude. It's a, tri-
1: it's a trip. That there's is. there's all that that goes into it. And I don't know. And I'm Like I said, I'm nearly retarded. You think if we had some fucking real bright scientific minds and some nurturing spiritualists, they're like, let's put together a four-month program for every soldier that gets back. It would be amazing. And someone will be like, that's gay. I don't need that. But make them do it anyway and mm-hmm. make everybody do it and pay them to do it and... You know, because We'd a lot have of a better society after.
0: hundred percent, and a lot of the people who are suffering are wives and kids, Ugh. because you're taking a killer. Let's make no mistake; that's yeah. what they were. The, you, you're training them to be killers, yeah. and you're taking a killer, and then all of a sudden you're like, not a killer anymore. Yeah, go live with the the woman and the young ones. Yep. And they're like, no, 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 wait, wait. Go work at FedEx. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, a trip. And then you're gonna hear a loud noise, or someone's gonna talk, fucking say something to you, and you're gonna be like. And killer's going to jump or out.
1: because people say shit like, dude, I don't know what you get on the Internet, but like on, on Instagram and shit like that. And when people are like, dude, I'd fucking kill you like you. I mean, you know, it's not all the time, but like there's some dark shit that yep. people say to you on the Internet and all that kind of stuff. A guy like that, that he's, he's going to take that seriously. Yeah. You know, for me, I think you're a scared little bitch probably that smoked too much pot today and now you think you're a gangster. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> However, and, and then you're going to ask to take a picture when you see me in person. But that guy, maybe he hunts you,
0: or <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's all of that. It's fascinating, man. It's fascinating that 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 with the language we use when they come back it is flowery. There's nothing flowery about no. what they just went through, and you, in your brain to me is the most important muscle slash organ in your body, no. right? So it really does control everything. You have you read a. Uh, there's some stuff online about how they're finding people who have mentally figured out a way to control their body's temperature. Oh, well, through
1: Wim Hof and through his breathing, I've heard stuff like that. And like he cites some people, but I don't, I haven't looked into it.
0: So that shows you how powerful your brain is. Yeah. Right. That shows you what, what, how
1: much. I think he's proven that he can get antigens into his body to the degree that they can fight illness. Yes. That that he can get, Put a. They can inject him with a virus, and his body will fight that off.
0: To me, that's all brain. Mm-hmm. That's all brain. So, um, why we're not nurturing that more for them when they get home is crazy. But it's like the same reason we have a gas engine still in the car.
1: They, they're for sure. They could make it run on leaves or whatever. Yeah. But the oil and gas industry is a huge industry, and they'll kill everybody and buy up every patent and destroy all of that that comes to pass like that. And the same way that whether whether it's uh through the the big farm companies mm-hmm. or the big prison companies or any of those they need broken people. Broken people are easier to control.
0: That's why it's so baffling to me that who we elected, dude, because I would tell I would say that a lot of people that uh, voted for Trump are anti-big business. Are mm-hmm. anti-Wall Street. They want an Isn't outsider. Wild?
1: That's what I mean. The biggest trick the GOP pulled is like Th-
0: this dude is big business. Yeah. He is Wall Street. He's made so a living wild. stepping on poor people on little backs guys. Backs. Yeah, little construction and not workers. Them. Good. We're gonna go bankrupt and fuck you. And so it's been. It's and I get. Listen, I do get. If people weren't big Hillary Clinton fans, that's fine. And that's the thing too, I think that we gotta say too, as we
1: talked about in the yard, is that just because you're uh not a fan of this doesn't make you a fan of the other thing. Yeah. They both were shit choices. Yeah. Like I don't want the V D sandwich or the fucking uh the the colon sandwich. I don't want any of it. I don't want any of that.
0: Yeah, I, I try to stay away from the V D sandwich.
1: But I think that the thing is is that we we had the biggest lack of turnout ever. In a major election.
0: Because they were both fucking terrible. And so they
1: were all like Ari Shafir, where he's like, I'm going to be a conscientious objector to the whole thing. If I vote in it, it means that I'm for the system and I'm against the system. It doesn't work. It's clearly broken by our choices. And I think another 50 or 60%
0: of the people in the country
1: that were able to vote felt that way.
0: I, to me, if it had been any other election, I could have with a good conscience done that. I couldn't do it with this guy. Because I think... I, I I just couldn't do it with this guy. There was no way, in my mind, anything... So if you were going to tell me... Anything was better. If you're going to tell me Hillary Clinton is basically this uh-huh. government and we're going to get four more years of Obama, I'd be like, okay. right? Th- let's change it next time. But, you know, let's look around. Everybody's lives over the last eight years, can you tell me how it got demonstrably worse? Right. So, okay, if we're going to... This dude... The, you know, the way he interacts I kind of with feel like it's
1: like this though. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. if, you talk to, yeah. if you talk to anybody out outside the country, they're like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, whatever with your Brexit England, you guys aren't great either. <laughs> uh, but, but like the, the thing is, is I feel like Hillary, the world's on fire. The oceans are burning and we're headed for the fucking cliff. Yep. Now, Hillary is a good politician. Yes. She knows the difference between Sunni and Shia, which Donald Trump doesn't even know what those words mean. Mm -hmm. So she's going to really kind of mitigate the losses on the way there. But she's also going to suck up every dollar and piece of energy she can on the way. But it's the same cliff. Mm -hmm. Now, Donald's going to get us to the cliff much quicker. She's gonna do it because she's a vampire, psyching the life of it, everything on the way down. Donald's just like a crazy idiot that's fucking hammered. It seems like that's just fucking going towards the Dude. cliff faster. But it's the same cliff, and maybe there's something to be said about getting off the cliff faster. And we just come, we come to a maybe, you know. I, and I, I don't know, but I do know that it's like I don't know. I was talking to this guy that he runs this big corporation. And he goes, you know, I'm the I own it. It's my name on the corporation, but I don't get to make those decisions there's a whole board of directors he mm-hmm. says so whoever wins he's kind of like the system is it dictates who the the guy is yeah i
0: agree and, and, and in that's the thing like at the end of the day congress and the senate and they have you know the supreme court they have a lot to say about what's going to happen which is why i say vote locally what do you think did he really get peed on I think he's been peed on in his life. No, but do they have videos, the KGB? I think I don't know about that. I think there's zero doubt in my mind that they have something on. Because he sucks dick on
1: Putin like Dude, crazy.
0: Listen, somehow, and he's not
1: nice like that to anybody. And he's like no, a little kid that like it's a trip. He's
0: shown Putin more respect than anybody Wild. else. The CIA. It's almost like
1: it's a different person.
0: Dude. It's almost like the way he is. And then when Putin's there, he's like. That's why he's got to have something. It's weird. Putin has something on him. I don't know what it is. He's got something on him. And, you know, a lot of it, um, I've read some things and who knows what's real or fake. Right. But that he's uh, the Russia and Russian businesses have lent his corporation so much money because, you know, he can't get. Loans from banks in the United States right. anymore. I didn't know that. So he's getting money from other. How shocking was it to you that he won? That it was that close. Uh, it it wasn't shocking that he won at all. I toured the country. Okay, and I so was.
1: That's I, what Bill Burr says too. He's like,
0: I wasn't surprised at all. Really, it was funny to me that people in New York and California were surprised. Yeah, I was but, shocked.
1: I was like, well, I had no. I was like. It's close. I didn't think. I didn't think he had any chance
0: of winning. I was listen. I had talked. I've said this before, but some friends in Wisconsin, white guys who voted for Obama in two thousand eight and two thousand twelve, voted for Trump.
1: Right. You know, and and um, I'll tell you. And there is a thing of wanting it to be different. I can understand
0: that. You know what they said? The Democrats haven't spoken to me directly in eight years. They court the LGBT and they court the African Americans and Latinos and the Muslims and the immigrants Ooh, They haven't spoken to me in eight years. And I was like, hmm. and I said, yeah, but when you vote for this dude, you may be voting against other people's civil rights. And he said, this time I'm voting for my family. That's, That's exactly what That's he said. And I was like, listen, man, I think it's and I could try I tried to talk to him until I was blue in the face. And then he was like, "Let's just." And he said to me, "It can't get any worse right now for me. What's the? What am I? I'm rolling the dice on what? Yeah." And so, it was. It was a little upsetting. Oh shit!
1: I gotta go. Okay.
0: I can't believe we've been doing this two hours. Yeah it's a it's a late it's a late it's a late in the game
1: thing with that that whole uh, you know they haven't spoken to me and all that kind of stuff for a long time, and and I think I, I would that whole conversation every time I talk about it I get left with the idea that we are so self-obsessed in the country that nobody votes for what the best of the country is. They vote for what their own personal yeah. betterment would be. And if we could all just get on the same page of a little bit of altruism and go, what would really be the best for us cumulatively? Because yeah. we've all got to live in this motherfucker.
0: That's, a- anyway. It's hard to look outside right here. Yeah. But you, sometimes you and have That's so to. important. And yeah.
1: that's what that traveling in the country is that we're talking about. That's what I think Like psychedelics can be. I think that listen being in the listening to the guy in wisconsin and being and going okay i gotta look at this from different ways yeah because my viewpoint is not the right one just because it's mine like that's retarded no yeah absolutely um dude love you it's great to have uh have you on my podcast yeah thanks Um, for (laughs) thanks for having me on uh what do you want to plug man oh well listen i run this little caveman coffee company it's called cavemancoffeeco.com and uh we ship wonderful it's coffee so good, the world everybody. we do single origin single estate coffees and uh, we're really careful about where we get everything from i think us and on it right now are the only two that do 100 percent coconut oil mct which is a medium change of glyceride you can read all about it, all that shit on the on the site do you um, put that in your coffee i do i blend it in there uh, in lieu of cream and uh it's great and it's good like uh i got into it based on like ketogenic diets yep. and kind of doing that like in i don't know 2008 or something and then when all this came up i go oh well i want to make something that's not really available and so uh we started doing that uh pirate life radio is my podcast on itunes stitcher uh my name is tate fletcher and you can find me on instagram or anywhere else i guess and
0: uh i try to stay interactive with all that stuff um yeah guys you know, listen I, easy to find i would suggest you know I, and i do this every week i suggest a little positivity and i would suggest following tate he's a uh, it, it it it's a it's a good it's a good follow, dude.
1: You know one thing I want to say before we go. Huh. And you'd, you'd asked a question and, um, and I started talking about digging ditches and stuff. But one of the other things is, uh, there just you know everybody has made such an influence on me to make me me, which I'm super grateful for. But. One, one of the other tricks that i started doing was after i got a appraised about uh, eckhart toll and and his teachings and the way he thought about stuff and and this idea of that you can only really think one thought at one time uh you can't sustain two thoughts at one time in the mind and it can be a negative thought or a positive thought there's no gray area mm-hmm. and and the multitude of thoughts that i have dictates what the value of my life is whether it's good or bad and 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 it might not feel authentic all the time if you're feeling like shit to think positively or to think a good thought or whatever, but it'll never serve you the other way to be like, man, I'm nothing works out for me anyway, or this or that. It's like, and so I just, it was like a retraining of my mind that I did. And I did that by becoming a watcher of my thoughts by going, who is that in my head that as soon as you pull in front of me, I'm like, you cocksucker, like, and to distance myself from, I'm not that guy there's another being that's looking at that voice. And and that's like an ego that I Mm -hmm. look at a lot. And like, and so how do I start to learn how to direct my thoughts and have dominion over them so that I can keep a pistol out of my mouth?
0: I like that dude. And and, and I would say this for anybody who has, who's thinking about that. And it's hard to be positive and stay real. I would say, try those three things. Just write them down. Just try doing something for yourself three times a day. And you start to feel better about yourself. And, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to write it down and check it off. When you look at that list every day and you see those three things that you accomplished, you will begin to feel like you can accomplish things every day of your life. It is so important. Every, I still do it, dude. Yeah, I still do it. I still, to see myself check it off is like, I accomplished that. I've it's a accomplished huge device. that. I've accomplished that. Yeah. And, and, um, it really does make you feel better.
1: I think also like one of the things that I do and I tell everybody all the time is is and it's a huge topic, but a simple thing like simple tricks. I needed ground I could walk on, like a simple idea of spirituality, and, and one of those things was if, if I'm feeling lonely and I get sucked into that and into that darkness and everything, is to call somebody. Yeah, call somebody that's actually lonely. If I'm if I'm feeling like hatred, then look to be loving, and all all those things. Like if I look to the opposite of the thing, if I do contrary action, it pays huge dividends.
0: Wait, I gotta go, everybody. Right. Tate Fletcher, love you Thanks. later.